0: A Superman action figure in a toy coffin, a blue shirt and red jacket, a first flight in the sun above the Arctic tundra. These are some of the moments that define my Superman fandom. Together on this podcast, we journey across time and media to examine, discover, and reconsider the creative visions that have shaped the Man of Steel. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. This is Crisis Till Death, Part 8, the finale, and joining me to discuss Reign of the Superman and the return of Superman is returning guest, Bernie Gerstmeier. Welcome.
1: What's up, Anthony? Thanks for having me back.
0: Thank you for coming back. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed our discussion on Death of Superman and Funeral for a Friend. It was... It was everything that I hoped it would be, you know, and more. And so I really thank you for, you know, for coming along for that ride and for coming back for this. And while I'm thanking you, let me hold something up here. <laughs> for anyone watching the video edition, you can see this. But for if you're not, I'll describe it. Uh, Bernie, you oh, it sent so good. you sent this to me, and I can't tell you I'm I'm so appreciative of this. Uh, it's the 1993 fossil watch uh, for Reign of the Superman. It's the Reign of the Superman fossil watch. And, you know, I don't I don't know that I even knew this existed. Uh, I have a Superman watch that I I got when I was a kid, but it's not Reign of the Superman. And despite that, despite really not having much of a frame of reference for this specific piece, I I said this to you and I messaged you. I looked at this and man, it just took me back. It was as if I if I hopped into a time machine and I went right back to 1993, <laughs> and that's that's a really that's a really special thing. And, and so, thank you so much. Uh, how did you come across this? So,
1: with with anything we do as collectors, I think whenever we talk to somebody about something, you you do like the the eBay deep dive. You're like, ooh. What would happen if i type death of superman into into ebay and what will happen when i go through the categories is you're laying in bed with an ipad at 12 30 in the morning <laughs> and uh it was cool like i i, I saw different memorabilia and anthony i mean i just i just wanted to send that to you as a thank you for you know making me part of this podcast i love doing it but i think we found we formed a cool friendship and i, I us collectors got to take care of each other i'm like you know what I bet he doesn't have this in his collection. Let's see, let's see what we got. But uh, it's really cool because I don't know if you realize, but so there's, like, I think there's a coin that comes with the watch. There is a version of the watch in all four, so like each watch has a different coin. But I'm like, I think this one he'd, he'd appreciate. It was cool.
0: Yes, I you know it's funny. I haven't even lifted the watch out of its out of its box yet, yeah. but it looks like mine is the Eradicator because it looks like there yeah. is a. um it looks like just a like a, a cardboard piece up yeah. on the top with one of the characters and mine happens to be eradicator. So I'll have to actually yeah. dig into that later and, and confirm that. But, uh, but no, I yeah, I, you know, I, yeah, that was such a, that was such a great surprise. Thank you.
1: <laughs> You're welcome.
0: No worries. Yeah. Well, so while we're speaking about, uh, you know, death and rain related merchandise and, and tie-ins and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, one thing that, You know, we don't really have the space to get into so much now, but maybe I would in the future is the Death and Return of Superman video game for Super Nintendo. Oh, did you play that back in the day?
1: Oh, I very much (laughs) so played that back in the day. That is a game full of like excited to play it. And then you get frustrated deeply by it because it's it's like it's like a side scrolling do you remember like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle vibe of that arcade game? Same kind of deal, but it, it's, uh, there's no save on that bad boy either. Like you had to start from the beginning every time.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you. I'm glad you said that because the, <laughs> all right. So I basically have two memories associated with playing <laughs> that game. And you know, I think I've touched on this in other episodes. I, I am not currently a gamer mm-hmm. to any extent. And even as a kid, I wasn't really as into it as classmates of mine were like comics were my main hobby. I didn't play a ton of video games, but I did have Super Nintendo and that was the system that I played the most and I had the most games for and the death and return of Superman was one of them. And so the two memories that I have of it, one, and this is a credit to the game. Yes, it was, you know, it was a 90s side scrolling game, like you said. So yeah, certain limitations, but He was, to my my recollection, relatively faithful to the story. I mean, I think it starts off with Superman fighting the Underworlders, just as he does in the Death of Superman comic. I don't know if we even touched on that much in the last episode, but um, that was not my favorite subplot uh, from the Man of Steel series, (laughs) but there were these Cadmus rejects (laughs) who were living underground, and they felt abandoned by society, and then there were homeless humans who became part of the group as well, and they hatched these, these plots, but... You know, so you go from that to the actual fight with Doomsday to getting mm-hmm. to play as each of the four replacement Superman. So I I just remember like, wow, like this is a really a relatively faithful adaptation of the comic. The other oh, yeah. memory, the vivid memory I have is I there was one game playing session where I got far into the game, like further than I had gotten before. I think I can't remember which of the supermen I was playing as. It was, maybe it was the Eradicator, and I don't know if that's early or late in the game. But whatever the case, well, it was it was again further than I had gotten before. Yeah. And then I remember either I don't know we were sitting down to eat dinner or we were going out or something like that, and I had to stop.
1: Oh, oh no! And, <laughs> I know where this is going.
0: And I, and that was it. And you know what's funny? Because I was as I was thinking about this, I said to myself, "Well, there must have been a save function. Maybe it just didn't work." But now that you say that. That wasn't even an option. So that's the memory I have of it. And I think after that, I think that experience kind of broke me. I was just like, I don't think I can I can try yeah. to get back there again. And I think that was kind of it for me. It fizzled out.
1: Yeah, I found that game. I think, <laughs> I feel like it was college. And I found it at a used video game store. I brought all my brother and I were so excited. We're like, oh my God, it looks just like the actual comic. And you do go through all the reign of the Superman. But yeah, I think the I think the first time they started introducing save functions on the super Nintendo was in they, when they released the star Wars games, because those games were also like halls. And if there's, you would, you would throw your super Nintendo out the window if you couldn't save on that game. But yeah, I, I thought it was great gameplay. I love that you could play eradicator. I think I got to the point where I could be steel and then, but that's a four, like you got to play for four hours to get to that point. Uh, So that's, yeah. Welcome to the 1990s of games, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's I now I did see on YouTube that you can watch someone play the game the whole way through. And I did I did spend a couple of minutes. I found one of those videos and I spent a couple of minutes cuz again, I never saw the ending of the game and I was like, "Oh, this would be yeah. kind of cool." And it's funny because you know, as I'm saying this, if I were a listener now, I would be saying, "Mike, yes. you have to do an episode where you play the game."
1: <laughs> so that'd be hilarious. Uh,
0: maybe at some point in the future like i said i'm not a big gamer but i did pick up that mini suit the mini classic super nintendo that they put out a few years ago
1: oh you did awesome cool
0: Remember, it was like really hard to find for for a period of time and and i i got i found one and i play i play i turned it on once in these these past few years i haven't done much with it and it it it, it really it, it saddened me that the death and return of superman wasn't included on that and i know there are ways to like crack it and add stuff oh, but i yeah, that's, can add, that's yeah. kind of beyond uh, what i'm capable of but <laughs> i don't know there i i there's some reality out there where there's an episode in the future where i i play this game and, and talk about it but i do have fond memories except that inability to save but i do have fond memories of playing it so um again i know that game is out there so for anyone who's like hey i, I know and again it might be something we touch on in the future and then similarly <laughs> uh I have a copy of the death and life of Superman novelization by Roger Stern have, I did, you, have you ever read it too yeah have you I read have. it how is it because yeah. I've not read it <laughs> it's actually
1: pretty good um it's it's really truly like just listening like just if you were to put it all together as mostly as a novelization from the words of the book it's pretty darn close okay it's it's pretty nice actually um what I do have which maybe I'll try to find a way to either burn a copy to mp3 and send it to you i have an audio drama called superman lives and it's not the roger stern but it's a full audiobook of the death and return with different voices and sound effects and that kind of stuff i i have to send it to you it's it's pretty cool actually
0: very cool is it a bbc production by any chance because one of my listeners has reached out to me about a, a BBC dramatization of this, uh, an Maybe audio play.
1: it's a white, it's, I still have it. It's it's on my shelf in the other room. So I, I again look, I go look for it later.
0: Interesting. Well, so the larger point that I want to make is that I know there was a lot at the time, like the novelization, like the video game, and a lot right. that came later, like we touched on last time, including, the, you know, Superman Doomsday Hunter Prey and Doomsday right. Wars subsequent miniseries that expanded on the origin of, of Doomsday. Right. Uh, so I know there's more out there and we will get to that in some way, shape or form on this podcast. I do have plans for that. Uh, not necessarily now, but I just wanted to acknowledge, I know that stuff is out there and I, I kind of want to save that a little bit, Uh, you know, it's, I think the death of (laughs) Superman is something that will always just like Smallville, Smallville and death of Superman are the two things that on this show for this Superman fans journey, uh, those are things that we're always going to come back to. And so I kind of like knowing that there's some other stuff out there to mine as we move forward.
1: Oh, yeah. I enjoy Like, just type in Reign of Superman and Death of Superman into eBay. If, if you want a good, fun scroll through memory lane, you'll find some cool stuff. There's a Death and Return of Superman video game t-shirt, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. It has the actual logo with Doomsday punching his fist through the Superman symbol. It's pretty cool.
0: You know, speaking of Doomsday... There's one little bit of, of follow-up business from the last episode, despite the fact that we talked for two and a half hours, there's, there's, there were still right. more that I didn't get to, that I thought of after. <laughs> That's, you know what? I feel like for anyone out there who's like, oh, I don't know if I should do a podcast or not. It's like, look, if there's something you're passionate enough about that you can talk about for hours on end, yep. you should do a podcast. <laughs>
1: do a podcast. yeah.
0: If not, then maybe it's not the right fit. But if there's something that you have that much to say about, it's probably worth it. Yeah. <laughs> But I was just, you know, we talked about how in, in funeral, especially the funeral storyline, there was, there was a lot to do with Superman's body, right? The politics mm-hmm. over who was going to take control of the body. The body was stolen. The body was returned. We end, um, adventures 500 with the, that, the casket empty, right? So there was a lot right. with the body. And so I was thinking about why the death of Superman, you know, made such an impact. And it's like, yes, from a publishing point of view, you know, other characters had died before. But this was the first superhero, the most iconic superhero. Um, it, you know, really caught wind in the in the media and it took on this this l- huge life. Uh, no pun intended. but um, but at the same time, I really think within the context of the story, I, I think the way it was told, and especially this idea of the body and the really the physical ramifications of this story, I think that's what kind of set this apart. And you very correctly pointed out the publishing legacy of the death of Superman, specifically at DC, right? Like we saw nightfall and we saw Emerald Twilight. We saw Wonder Woman get replaced. We saw Wonder Woman would later die and become the goddess of truth. You know, Wally West would, would die and come back. You know, we saw a lot of this Oliver Queen, but uh, bear with me on this. I feel like with Superman, you know, the, the, the battle with doomsday itself you know we see him cut bruised bloodied in a way that we haven't before i mean he's literally beaten to death and his lifeless body yeah. is just lying there on the street and then again like we, we like we talked about we have these instances in funeral for a friend where that lifeless body is is there and it's you know a, 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 you know it's a plot point and it's something that uh you know the the, the story kind of revolves around to some degree or another and I was just kind of comparing that to the other stories that the other DC stories we were talking about. And, you know, it's like when Wally West dies, he becomes one with the speed force, right? Like his body becomes lightning and then later he'll come back. Um, When Oliver Queen dies, (laughs) <laughs> you know, he explodes in a plane, right? Like he's like, yeah. atomized in, in, in There's this no explosion. Body. There's no body, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, Wonder Woman, you know, to be honest, I forget the specifics of when she died, but you know, she very quickly thereafter becomes the goddess of truth. So she still is right. in play on, uh, you know, on Mount Olympus, um, mm-hmm. Batman now Batman nightfall. That's it. Is That is a very physical confrontation, but when you want to talk yeah. about quote unquote, the death of Batman, I guess the closest we have is, you know, Batman R.I.P. and Final Crisis, the Grant Morrison stories. And, you know, there for a hot second, you think that Batman might be dead. And then you very quickly realize, nah, this guy's just bouncing around through time. Yeah. Uh, So, I don't know. And, oh, and, uh, you know, uh, Hal Jordan as well. It's like when he sacrifices his life in Final Night, you know, to defeat the Sun Eater, again, the body's just gone. Yeah. So I just feel like there's really something about the choice they made to have that body, you know, just, dis- you know, beaten and-, and killed the way it is, but then for, um, you know, to do so much with, you know, again, who's going to control the body, where the body's going to be put to rest, and then, you know, we'll get into this when we talk about Reign of the Superman, but again, it, you know, it's very much like what happens to the body that enables him to return, um, which again, I just feel like it's different than what we see elsewhere, and I just feel like it... I, I don't know it. It grounded the story in a in a more effective way, and um, I don't know, it just had a greater impact. I mean, what do you think about all of this?
1: I think you're gonna need to bring your pastor friend back actually for uh, <laughs> another epi- another maybe patreon short episode on the death and return because honestly, there's so much like messianic uh, symbolism where like it's it's buried in a tomb, the body's not here there's there's people that are doubting we don't know he comes back but he's not you know it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting and that's also i I would love to ask that question to the super team and like like were you purposely doing that because like you said that's the only hero that has died and we've actually had the whole body buried funeral let's go through the whole thing but it was I, i was reading it again going oh that's pretty that seems kind of blatant but Let's, I don't. I don't know. Maybe just my lens. I'm looking through.
0: No, I mean that's the thing. Like it is. It is downright biblical. And and even the 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 battle itself. It's almost like the stations of the cross. And it's like you know again like mm-hmm. when the citizens of Metropolis help him. You know, like yeah. in the Bible, and they're who, who's the what's the name of the person who helps Jesus carry the cross? I don't I, uh, Simon. Simon. My goodness, yeah. my my uh, many years in Catholic school have failed me. No. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, but but yeah, I don't know. It's like even the battle itself kind of plays like you know like that and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then certainly right going into the tomb, and then the, the you know yes. being empty. So uh, I mean, again, I, I I doubt that was an accident. Uh, but in yeah, any event, I really do think like when we when we really kind of look at this, and yeah, I don't know. Especially for those who maybe aren't in love with this period of Superman or aren't in love with this story, right. it might be easy to kind of lump this in with a lot of the ones that followed. But I really think mm-hmm. this is yet another example of how this this was different.
1: No, it's very different. And we're gonna talk a lot about it tonight. I mean, I hope I hope you I hope you had a kickstart or something because we got <laughs> we got stuff to talk about. Um, and we're gonna address honestly, one of the notes I made was about how Eradicator does towards the end of the story bring up that no, you did die. Like we, we'll get to that. That it's not there's no fake out that Superman didn't really die. No, he did die. And and luckily through the magic of Kryptonian science and good timing, like they were able to bring him back. But we'll, again,
0: we'll get to all that. Yeah. Well, I'm at, well let's dive into that now. You know, so we've arrived now at the finale of this Crisis Till Death miniseries. I, I I, was doing some math and it's, it's not quite 300 issues, but it's around, I don't know, 250, 260. Like that's how many issues <sighs> I've read over the course out of, control. of this. And, you know, people have been hearing or watching this over a period of, you know, eight weeks, but I've been working right. on this for months because uh, I recorded the first few in particular in advance and uh, you know it's it's definitely been a lot but it's one of those things like I hadn't had I not made this a podcast event I don't know that I would have I would have taken it upon myself on my own just to yeah, read for pleasure right. and do this as much as like these comics are great and I had such a great time reading them but I kind of needed that you know that extra yeah. push to do it so you know I want to Again, before we dive into the meat of this episode, I really do want to thank, uh, I mean, again, you, of course, you were here for part two, and now for these two concluding chapters. Uh, I want to Scott. thank- Scott. Yeah, we got to give a... us- <laughs> Oh,
2: oh.
1: <laughs> Scott. Scott needs, he needs a watch. I better send Scott a watch.
0: <laughs> it's funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, Scott did the, he did parts, you know, four, right. five, and six, and that was everything after Burn, before Death of Superman- and that it's was a
1: good 125 issues at least.
0: It's 150 plus. It's like just oh, over 150. What? And uh so he was truly I mean you were all wonderful but he was definitely a champ to to take on that much. Yeah. As, as I said in his episode it's like I, I when we were setting this up I did give him numerous outs. I was like I know we were like because we've been talking about this for <laughs> so long. Uh but he was on board and I think he enjoyed it but um but I know that was not a light assignment. And so, yeah, special shout out to Scott and to uh, Dan Greenfield, who uh, yep. helped kick us off with uh, our discussion of the Burned Superman run and my buddy Jeremy, yeah. who came on and, and, and watched uh, the Ruby Spears Superman cartoon. And we had a great yeah. discussion about that. So you guys were just fantastic. And honestly, like you all brought so much enthusiasm to this that uh, it just fueled my own. I mean, it was great. I'm just so happy with the conversations we had. So thank you to you and to all the guests who have been part of this
1: and i think the guests can also attest to this like they're it's so fun hearing like it's so i guess it's sad as much as i've listened to now to your podcast i can identify guest voices without even looking at the name like they're just really identifiable awesome uh really good character tone voices to everything they do it's great i love i love the inflection the excitement the enthusiasm that everybody brings to your podcast you you got, you got great guests you're bringing on so
0: that's that's all. Aw- that's awesome to hear. I'm sure they appreciate that. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's not a surprise that, you know, most of the people you've heard on the show, like you've heard multiple times. And honestly, the ones you've only heard like once or twice, that's more of a scheduling thing. But I mean, right. You know, it's like I'm I'm so proud of the kind of like the, the stable of guests that we have. And, uh, you know, I've Plans in mind for everyone for the future as well. So, uh, no, that's that's really, really cool to hear. And speaking of the guests, you know, we haven't heard from comic book artist V. Ken Marion in a while.
1: I just was thinking about him and have an idea for a podcast for you and him, actually, too. So,
0: Oh, well, what's the idea? Or do you want to tell me off, Mike? Have you? I don't know. Have you guys
1: thought about, I mean, are you still doing, are you going to be running YouTube and videos like throughout still, or are you just doing audio for certain ones?
0: Oh, that's a good question. All right. I'm going to peel back the curtain here a little bit. So, you know, I've been doing the video podcast uh, for about a year, almost Uh, not, not quite, but uh, that will likely be winding down in the first quarter of 2022. So essentially, again, really pulling back the curtain here, but there's a a video conferencing platform that I use Mm. in order to be able to capture the video that you see on YouTube and to capture it in a way that I guess kind of allows me to present it the way I want to, not the way, for example, Zoom limits you to. Not that there's anything wrong with putting up a Zoom recording. And when it comes to Rich Roney, one of our regular guests who has limited technical capabilities. <laughs> we've, we've had to use Zoom. So there's nothing against that. But uh, I do use this specific platform, but there's a cost involved. And so for myself as the host, there's a cost benefit yeah. analysis I have to do. And while we have definitely caught new audience members through YouTube, and that's awesome, at the mm-hmm. same time, I don't know if it quite justifies the cost of doing it. So we'll have it for a while longer, but I don't think we'll kind of see that beyond first quarter of 2022.
1: No, the only reason I asked was I wondered if it'd be kind of cool to do like with V Ken a like top 25 Superman covers, like, what's the best what's the best cover art from whether it be from the modern age, whatever you want to do. And that could be just kind of cool from an artist perspective to look at something like that, too.
0: That would be very cool. That might be something to do before the video podcast. Ends. Yeah. And, and again, we have a long way to go with the video podcast. It's just that they're not, they right. won't be forever. But what I was going to say, and this actually is not exactly what you're suggesting, but it's not far off. So yeah. in two weeks, Ken will be back on the show. He'll be making his grand return. And we are going nice. to be talking about the visual style and evolution of Superman. So, oh, awesome! It's the sort of episode, and he, he had the idea for it, and you know, I it was just a matter of figuring out when we were going to do it. And it's like I he's, love it. to be able to talk to a comic book artist who has drawn Superman for DC Comics yeah. to talk about the the visual style and evolution. I'm really excited, and I'm also really excited that I don't have to really do much homework for this one.
1: No, you <laughs> so don't. It's great. You get you get, you just get to be the host.
0: <laughs> it's great. After these, after these reading projects, so uh, so yeah, so that's what's coming up. And um, but again, thank you to everyone who's been a guest for this run of episodes, and of course to everyone who has uh, you know listened or watched. And one kind of somewhat random bit of follow up business, but I just kind of wanted to mention this. Obviously, we began this this run of episodes by looking at the Burn era, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my listeners, and I don't have his name offhand, so I, I apologize for this. But he wrote to me, I think it was on YouTube, and um, alerted me to the fact that when Byrne did his New Gods run, there was an issue of, of that. I, I don't I don't have the issue number offhand either, but it the cover was was designed to look as if it were part of Byrne's Man of Steel miniseries. And I think oh. even in terms of the story itself, it was written to sort of like kind of slot right into into the Man of Steel miniseries. And I had oh. no idea about that. Of course, it's not available on the DC app, so I don't know oh. if and when I'll get to <laughs> read it. But no, that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> okay, good for you. I'm proud of you. That's it. <laughs> but I just wanted to say, you know, again, and and I know I've said this before, not to belabor the point, but I yeah. really appreciate this dialogue, you know, that we have you know between host and guest on the show but also that we have with the audience and I'm learning through the audience as well so that was something that yeah. I was not aware of and now I am and if I ever come across that issue of burns new gods you know I'll try to pick it up but uh you know so thank you to that to that viewer for sharing that uh that was really cool and something I wasn't not aware of
1: yeah I love that too like I mean I always welcome whenever I'm working with somebody or doing a live show or something like that you want to hear comments cuz we learn stuff too Like, we do have a lot of knowledge stuck in our brains, but it's so cool to see that other people have done deep dives and they found information, too, that could be really fun for us to learn, too, that we didn't know.
0: Yep. All right. Reign of the Superman. So this now brings us to effectively the end of 1993, uh, according to the triangle numbering here. And I was really excited to revisit this, because like I said in the last episode, I had reread Death and Funeral a few years ago. I had right. not reread Reign of the Supermen since mm-hmm. probably you know elementary school. It's been oh wow decades for me, and yeah, man, did I love it! It was such a fun read. What, what was yeah. what were your overall impressions for for this reading? And and when was the last time you had read it?
1: Um, I think maybe oh early 2000s i think maybe i'm kind of in the same boat as you you know i feel like death of superman is like a quick easy nostalgic walk that i can do in, in one like session in that one trade i mean rain and return is kind of a haul like so <laughs> but but, I, but I, don't, I think it was early 2000s um the thing that i noticed and rem- and and didn't realize is that reign of the Superman. Comes off like a very old serial, uh, like episodic kind of show. But then, Return of the Superman feels like a summer blockbuster. So, it's if you look at it, it's very like episodic. We, we see each Superman coming about. We have them interacting and every you know you go through every title. But then, once we hit like Superman comes out of the the Matrix egg. That is a summer movie, dude, from like beginning to end through Green Lantern, kicking Mongols butt and all the way through and even to the token like classic movie ending vibe that we find at the end of the epilogue. But yeah, I I had a blast reading this for various reasons that we'll get into. So,
0: yeah, I I mean, I'm with you. Well, it's interesting because the entire storyline uses the reign of the Superman banner across it. But it does. You know the way you and I have been reading. You know we have the the five volume set of trades that DC right. put out a few years ago, and the way they break it up, that volume three is is Reign of the Superman.
1: Reign, yeah.
0: And that basically collects two months worth of the Superman books. And exactly as you know our audience likely recalls, um, each of the four titles. Sort of focused on uh, a different replacement Superman. So Action had Eradicator, Man of Steel had Steel, of course. Um, right. act, um, Superman had Cyborg Superman, and Adventures of right. Superman had Superboy. And of course, there was overlap. And once we got deeper into the story, then there was a ton of overlap. But initially, you know, each of those titles was sort of focusing on its own character. And so, in that reign of the Superman trade. I agree with you. It does, it does, you know, each book is kind of doing its own thing, you know, to, to an extent. Yeah. And um, they're, you know, they're really kind of setting it up. And then when you get into what the trades label, the return of Superman, like it just, you know, it's just like pedal to the metal. It's just go, go, go.
1: Yeah. And I love it. And it was really interesting because I was trying to think about this too, where you could see a finite ending to every issue of the rain. But once you hit return, like I was trying to think back going like, that would be very frustrating reading the return portion week to week because it was, again, it's like pausing a movie in the middle of it and just going see in seeing seven days. Like, I think that's what was more interesting to me to remember about like, did I, did I like that? Did I enjoy that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, as far as overall impressions, I think I was definitely struck by the scale and the pacing of this. I mean, it's just, it's an epic storyline and especially coming off of the funeral, which Mm -hmm. really was a very, you know, emotional, intimate affair. I mean, yes, the body was stolen and, you know, our characters had to maneuver to get it back, but you know, that was not an action packed romp. I mean, that was really personal and character driven and, you know, and then to go into this, but I think it works great. I mean, it's one of those things where you look at death, funeral, and rain, you know, yeah. as this trilogy and, you know, each has its part to play and each kind of scratches yeah. a different creative itch. It's really, really cool. So, you know, the, again, the the scale of it and the pacing, you know, that definitely stood out to me. And then just how, additive it was to the superman mythology mm-hmm. and i was thinking about this because yeah. you know as you know right like you came on when we did our superman in the bronze age uh, episode and that was mm-hmm. right after we had done silver age superman and you know you right. look back at silver age superman and in a relatively mm-hmm. short amount of time you get brainiac you get the bottle city of candor you get the fortress of solitude <laughs> you get supergirl yeah you know so the silver age was a period where there was a lot of world building there was a lot added to yes. mythology after that and you know again not to paint with a broad stroke but I don't know that you had other periods quite like that. And even Mm -hmm. this burn and post-burn era that we've been talking about and loving so much, most of that was about stripping away (laughs) everything that had kind of accumulated pre-crisis. So that was more distilling it down to the essence of the character. And and, I mean, obviously they built out the supporting cast, but mythology-wise, that was really more about taking a step back. So you look at Reign of the Superman and it's like... You know, these characters, virtually all of them are still around and most recently have been in the Superman and Lois TV series. So like they've taken on this whole other life. It's amazing.
1: And I love that it'll will bring new fans to go look back and go like, oh, I wonder where Steel came from. That's a really cool character, which also, by the way, is not his original name is not John Henry Irons. Like, to know that his name is Henry Johnson. He was just a regular dude that loved the story of John Henry that he was told when he was young. I mean, there's a lot of tidbits that I forgot about, actually. You know, as we were reading this, I was like, oh, I thought he was always named John Henry Irons, but he wasn't.
0: That, so I thought he cool. was using, maybe I misread it. I thought he was using Henry Johnson because he was kind of trying to stay under the radar after his whole weapons mm-hmm. business. But no, he had actually just taken the name John Henry.
1: Yeah, because he the whole there's a little tidbit about him hearing the story when he was young, and he loved the vibe of of that character. And then there's a really cool moment too, where Superman actually names him Steel. Yeah, you know that's where I, I just love the birth of some of these characters. You got Superboy. Oh, can we just pause for one second? Sure. So are you are you aware um, that the plan was not always to have all four?
0: No, I don't think I was aware of that. What was the plan?
1: Yeah, so every every creator of each of the four books was tasked before their next summit to create a character or to use and say like, okay, who is going to be the next Superman? And they they presented all their ideas, and of ultimately Louise Simonson said like, we we really should just use all these. So because they were they were going to try to narrow it down to have like. Hank Henshaw as the main person, but they were not going to do, it was going to run through all four books. But then she said, no, these are all great ideas. Let's just, let's have the readers try to decide who the real one is. So we have Superboy. So Connor is now still present through all all of the Superman media. Steel is still around. Hank Henshaw Shows up even as a character in Supergirl, not as the Cyborg, but we do see Cyborg come back in the comics quite a bit here and there. Um, and and the Eradicator shows up as a character in The Outsiders. He's throughout comics in the last 20 years, which I think is great. So, I mean, these, these teams formed new mythology and new world building after something that they didn't really know where it was going to go. It was cool.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so cool. And I, yeah, I'm so glad that they went with that because I think that accomplished two things. One, mm-hmm. we've talked so much in these episodes about how the four titles worked so closely together, right? That yeah. it functioned like this episodic weekly TV series. However, what was cool about this was at least for those first couple of months, they got to have a little bit of autonomy. And they each got to, you know, kind of, you know, pursue their their own character and and story, which was cool. And then, of course, yes, very quickly they would come back together and, and, you know, rain was just, you know, was just off, you know, so much going on, so explosive. Yeah. Um, But so I think it allowed a little autonomy for each title, which was cool. And I think yeah, it helped build up this mystery of who the Superman is. And I don't know. It's like you know, you as a fan, you get invested in it. It's like which one is your favorite? Which one do you think is the actual Superman? One of my listeners actually asked on Twitter uh, who my favorite of the four is. Uh, before I Ooh. try to answer that, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you answer first.
1: Oh, <laughs> you're gonna make me answer that? Oh, there's like reasons though. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like I. I don't usually, there are like, I always go back to Star Wars. There's people that are like rebellion people and there's people that are empire people. Um, I usually don't go with the villain, but like, I love the, the character of Hank Henshaw. Like Cyborg Superman has always been so interesting to me for so many, like from the very first issue that you just covered, talking about the fake Fantastic Four. right. And he's, I mean, he has every reason actually to be upset theoretically with Superman through his own lens, but it's kind of what he can do. That's so cool. Like, I think there's a lot that has been done with that character. Each, each of the other ones are important in their own right, but I always gravitate. I've anytime I see a piece of cyborg Superman merchandise, I'm always buying it.
0: You picked up the cyborg Superman pop recently, right? (laughs)
1: I did. I lost my mind when I saw it. I was like, oh, I can't believe this exists. <laughs>
0: like, That's very, very cool. All right, let's take let's take a real quick commercial break. And nice. I'll try to come up with a good answer before we oh, come back luck. from our commercial break. So we'll be right, All right. back.
2: Everybody, right,
0: buddy. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas. Whether it's comic book superhero stories or role-playing in a dungeon, The Hive is where to be. Come tap your mana and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday, and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics, and on Instagram at The Hive Comic Shop. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On To Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at FilmFreeway.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen on Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. All right, so we're back. I would say, within the context of the story itself, just Reign of the Superman, I... Mm -hmm do kind of lean toward your response of cyborg superman because i think you know it's he is a a very compelling villain who can Mm -hmm. you know engage superman on an intellectual and physical level which you don't always get but the thing that really puts him over the top for me in this story is just his motivation it's like he wants to kill and destroy in superman's name it's not the destruction alone it's that he wants to do it wearing the symbol and bearing the name to destroy the legacy and Mm -hmm. there's something about that that is just like wow like that's really a whole other level so again in the context of rain i mean cyborg superman is a is a pretty damn great villain yeah big picture though steel i love steel and i gotta tell you the Superman and Lois TV series kind of kind of put Steel over the top. Did you watch the whole first season?
1: I, I did. I loved it. Yeah.
0: It was so good. And I don't really want to, I know people might no. not be totally caught up, so I don't want to spoil, but yep. I don't think it's a huge spoiler at this point to say that Steel plays a role. And he's such a, he's like the MVP of the season in my mind. Like he plays such a clutch hmm. role in numerous instances. And I will I will get into a little spoiler territory just for a minute. So if you haven't watched the end of Superman and Lois season one, like skip ahead 30 seconds. Okay. Okay. But when, (laughs) at a key moment, at a key moment when he thinks he's done for and he's Mm -hmm. just kind of floating there and he has, he sees flashes of the daughter he thinks has died and Mm -hmm. he thinks he's, he's at the end and there's a tear coming down his, his cheek, but he's so at peace because he knows like I did what I needed to do and I'm going to see my daughter. Oh, man, it it really, really got me. So, uh, yeah, that I was already a Steel fan, but that show really put it over the top for me.
1: That show is a sleeper. Like, it's the first – the first few episodes are not indicative. They're good, but if you, it's one of those you got to just hold on and push through. And like any TV show, there's some unfortunate, like – filler moments that you're like, Oh, they didn't need to do that. But I, I really think, I, I think it's now ranked as one of my favorite CW shows and not just because it's a Superman show, but because it's really, the quality is much more cinematic also, I feel. So that's a whole nother discussion, but yeah, I Steel steals a great character. I also really love that. Like we also see some diversity yeah. on like uh, in the comics again, because if you really look through the the dive that you guys did over the last 150 issues, I mean Ron Troop is really the only African American character you see. I believe that maybe not a villain.
0: So yeah, and then they you know they introduce Keith, the character Perry and Alice White right. will ultimately you know adopt. But that, that's right. You know, that's pretty. That's pretty deep into the period of comics that we're talking about. So so yeah, that's another yeah. added plus with Steel. But I just love. Uh, I just you know as an ally, I feel like he brings so much to the table. Uh, and uh, all that being said, I mean I'm a huge fan of of Connor Kent as well. You know I don't say this at the expense of Superboy. I love I do love this iteration of Superboy, especially because as I've said numerous times on the show, like I never really liked the idea of Clark operating as Superboy pre-crisis. So I thought this was such a great way to give us a Superboy but have the character be his own character and you know be able to do yes. different things with him to be able to tell different types of stories than you would with Clark as a, as a young you know as a young superboy
1: well and i think you mentioned it on the recent episode tom grummett goes and is and is the artist on the new superboy comic book that they takes over i mean you got to tell me though like you t- tell me you didn't want to just open hand slap him some like superboy in rain like you just mean like i'm um, just say another word dude like how and how he treats Tara and the other characters. He's he grows quite a bit over the course of this run, which is awesome. And that's something we can talk about too later that I noticed in I think in across all the characters. Let's talk in about these that. Arcs. Let's
0: talk about that now. Because man, I had the same exact thought. That was the other thing that mm-hmm. I was so impressed by was you know, each character really does have their arc in this. Yeah. And, you know, I'll all right, I'll talk about my favorite Steel you know he's dealing with the guilt of knowing that the weapons he designed and engineered yeah. were used to to kill innocent people right and so he's yeah. grappling with that and he's trying to atone for that and you know that that and superman's you know inspiration right that inspires him mm-hmm. to, to become steel and you know when we get to the climax of the story in there at engine city and if that yeah. engine goes off you know it's going to you know spin the earth out of its orbit and the planet will be torn apart and he's in there like john henry right the man versus the mm-hmm. machine and you know he you know comes very close to not making it out of course he survives and he'll yeah. go on to have his own series and you know continue to be a character in the comics for right. years and years to come but uh, and his daughter too and the daughter too yeah exactly yeah for sure or niece i think it's his niece oh no niece comics. natasha's yeah, yeah. his
1: niece you're right in the you're show right. yeah, yeah, the show they went with they went with yeah sorry
0: um but you know he has this moment where he's again battling the machine you know, yeah. and is able to you know in in a symbolic way, I guess, make you know make amends for what he's done, and and so and achieve yeah. some measure of peace with, within himself, yep. which I thought was great. Um, what what other arcs stood out to you in this?
1: Well, look at look at the Eradicator. So you look at like everything from Mark of the Krypton Man, and and how we've learned about the Eradicator over the course of the early '90s, and then for him to really grow as like he gets. You think he's toast when cyborg Superman takes him out, but then he's able to make it back to the fortress, I believe. Right. Mm -hmm. He he's brought back. He actually looks pretty awesome. Like when he comes back in the blue and black suit at that point, and he's and he he's not that the glasses are gone and that kind of stuff. He's kind of reborn a little bit. I liked how they also kind of gave him a mental rebirth. Like he he realized his, some I mean, of his mistakes and how he needed to really focus on protecting Superman and not just bringing him back to life, but following the course and going through, but really he's sacrificial all the way to the end. Like, and I loved watching even just how the tone of his text and his voice changed over the course of Reign through Return. I, I love that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he learns humanity. Yeah. You know, and he really does have an evolution. I mean, it is. It. I was thinking about that the whole time, going from, you know, the Eradicator initially as this device that is right. psychologically influencing Superman to, you know, which he they takes show. A, which yeah,
1: you see it. You see the Eradicator device actually in that page.
0: Which you know, that was another thing that stood out from the the end of the story here, where, you know, of course, the Eradicator initially started as this Kryptonian device. Cyborg Superman right. exists because. You know, years earlier, uh, his consciousness had shot off into space and passed through Superman's birthing matrix, which was out in space. And so you have these two Kryptonian devices, one designed for birth and one designed for death. And so I thought that was a really, really cool symmetry that they pointed out between those two characters.
1: Yeah, that's a great page.
0: It's so good. And, you know... That's the thing. I know I've said this a ton of times, but that's why I did this whole run of episodes is that I got, I I got so much more out of it. And that's a perfect example of something that, yeah. you know, as a kid, when I read that for the first time at six, it's like, I don't know how much that really yeah. like landed with me. Right. So reading it now, it's like, oh my God, like this, uh, the symmetry is beautiful just in and of itself. But also again, yeah. knowing all of this backstory, and yeah, especially with Eradicator, uh, you know, to, to see how far he goes, I love that. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite issues from this run that we're talking about tonight is the issue of action with Guy Gardner. Oh, that that's yeah. a Roger Stern, Jackson Guy's issue. And that issue has so many yeah. great turns in it. It was it was one yeah. of my favorites because, you know, it starts off with Guy, you know, deciding to go set this eradicator Superman and the other Superman straight because, right. you know, he you know, previously did not have respect for Superman, but Superman earned Hmm. his respect by defeating Doomsday and dying in the process, right? So Guy is like, I'm going to do right by Superman, Um, which I thought was a nice starting place. It's like, oh, like Guy has evolved a little bit. And so, you know, he starts with the Eradicator Superman. And at this point in the story, you know, this is, you know, original Eradicator Superman, and he's very Old Testament. He's you know, uh-huh. killing yeah going back to the biblical uh references yeah. you know this yeah. is old testament superman he does not have that humanity he's very cold he's calculating he will kill or at least seriously injure a criminal to set an example as a deterrent to others yeah. and you know he really uh you know you know basically tears gardner a- apart and also takes apart a group oh. of criminals in the process and that wins yeah. over guy gardner <laughs> yeah
1: but then guys, a mess, Ugh, guys, Guy
0: a mess, Gardner. but guys like, oh, this is the Superman I want. Look how tough right. he is. But then the end of the issue, this was, again, like such a great turn. The fact that Guy Gardner endorsed him. Oh, yeah. In part made Eradicator think like, oh, maybe I need to think about this mm. differently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's it was hilarious. So great. Like
1: when Guy Gardner likes you, you know, <laughs> you're doing something wrong.
0: <laughs> that was that. But was that was that was such end. a brilliant Remember issue. The-
1: And at the epilogue, at the very, very end, they're going through a little montage where, like, the Justice League just came back from space after realizing, oh, yeah, we didn't really need to go to space. And then Guy Garner's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, I backed the wrong guy, I know. And it's, like, little, like, press clips. It's like, poor guy, he just can't catch a break.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, But so, yeah, like, you know, he had a great arc and... You know, you mentioned the the press, and this is kind of a side note, but I thought that was also kind of cool, too, how, you know, GBS got behind Superboy, yes. right? And, of course, yeah. they referred to him as Superman, but they had the exclusive on him, and, you know, Lex, of course, was trying to get Steel to to kind of, right. you know, come his way, and was also made a play for Superboy. And
1: Superboy, too, right, yeah.
0: You know, at the Daily Planet, there was debate about, are we going to endorse one? And they ultimately do, right. the cyborg, Right. And so, but I just thought that was an interesting, you know, Guy Gardner on behalf of the Justice League endorses Eradicator. So like there's just as right. fans were divided over who the super, the real Superman was within the pages of the story, you had these various contingents debating and, and deciding and endorsing too. I thought that was cool.
1: Well, and I love this too, because I mean, you were six, I was 16. So like, again, you're still a kid. Like we're not, we're, we're not reading into the books the same way now as we were when we were reading originally, no matter what, decade we were reading them in, but I was more interested as like, who's going to be the real one? I never in a million years thought they're going to bring back the original one. I thought that was the point. They killed him and now Superman's going to be a different Superman. And I I love the whole, wait, well, I'm not sure I like any of these four. I'm not sure who I would want to be real Superman still. So as much as there was growth as a kid, I couldn't really decide until they brought back Original soups. I was like, okay, we're cool. That's fine.
0: <laughs> well, so that's the thing that I think is kind of brilliant about Reign of the Supermen because I think it mm-hmm. works. It's kind of like two sides of the same coin here. So on on the one hand, as you're reading it, and you know, of course, obviously we're reading this now. You know, we've read it multiple times. We know the outcome. But right. and I can't, to be honest, I can't really remember what I was thinking when I was reading this at six. I don't. I don't know. But. I have to imagine the way this is structured, it was probably a really cool mystery as you were reading this, yeah. right? And it's like, there. Yeah. you know, it's funny too, as far as things that we had forgotten, even with steel, I had completely mm-hmm. forgotten this idea that maybe Superman's spirit had inhabited John Henry Iron, so even right. there because it's like, yes, of course he's you know he's doesn't look at all the ways we know Superman to look, but there was this idea that, like, well, maybe his soul was now residing right. in this man, so even that, there was some possibility there,
1: well, keep in mind, they also set up a lot of supernatural stories, yeah with everything with everything from Blaze and Satanus and all of this stuff that the realm of possibilities would not be that far reach, so. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that mystery side of things as a, especially as a teenage kid reading them going, I wonder who, which one it's going to be actually, and then and then you find out it's not.
0: Right. So that's the thing. So I think the mystery works great. And like we were saying before, yeah. I think the fact that you have all four really just adds to that mm-hmm. it makes it so much more fun. But then the, yeah. the the flip side of that that I was saying is that you read these stories and you just see instance after instance where yes, it's possible that any one of them could be. I mean, of course, we know Superboy is a clone, although, you know, it quickly becomes clear it's like, well, he might not fully be a clone of, of Superman. And of course later we would find out he's not, uh, right. that there was yeah. human DNA involved in that as well. Um but, you know, with, with Cyborg and Eradicator in particular, I mean they're passing DNA tests and, you know, they look right. like Superman and they know certain things. You know, Eradicator and Lo and Cyborg both have these conversations with Lois. Where they reveal just enough, where it seems like, oh, maybe that is Clark, but he's just changed. He's different now. You know, Cyborg claims he has you know memory loss from the the trauma that he went through. Right? He knows he has a mem a vague memory of Kent and a farm. And Eradicator knows even more and says, like, I know you know you know Kent. We were engaged, but you know that Kent is gone now. So there's enough as you're reading this, where it's like it's possible. But as you're reading all of these stories, none of them have that inherent superman quality they're all missing right. something right so eradicator again is is too cold and calculating um you know uh steel steel i think has the truest heart out of all of them
2: yeah i would uh, agree you know even yeah. though he
0: doesn't but but even steel is still driven by that guilt it's not guilt, yeah. it's not that you know pure altruism of superman superboy right. Lacks the maturity, he lacks the judgment, he's you know, he's he needs the development which he'll ultimately get. And you know, cyborg Superman, you know, (laughs) of course, very (laughs) very quickly reveals himself. I mean, well, not very quickly, it takes a few issues, but soon reveals himself as the true villain of the piece. So, I think that's the kind of the brilliance that it works as the mystery, but it also shows that none of them is the right Superman. And in so doing, I think once again, just highlights what a unique, distinct character. Superman is that even with these four yeah. individually or together, it's like, they still can't replicate that inherent yeah. Superman Well,
1: and keep in mind, like when Superman comes back, he's not back to full power. Mm-hmm. He's just back. And that one of the notes I made too, is like Superman's locked and loaded, baby. He's got like, like to see Superman carrying two massive laser rifles you are like, what's going on and but he has he doesn't have powers really back yet and and he's getting the living crap kicked out of him by mongol and and like again you're going oh no we've seen these bruises before i don't like seeing bruises on superman but then the crypto the hole eradicate or kryptonite um transfer power back and all that kind of stuff but you're realizing he was still acting just as sacrificial without his powers and but the other folks superboy had powers Steel had a suit. I mean, Eradicator had power still. He, was, he had the Kryptonian stuff going on. But then even Supergirl, the Matrix, even though she's hiding, she's still helping out. And we'll get to that too. But the inherent quality of Superman being sacrificially heroic, even without his powers, still, that's the missing component.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, even when you strip those powers away. And, you know, we've had various stories and various media where he doesn't have right. his power. And it's like, he's still the same person, the values that he was raised with. And that's, I think, you know, when you look at the four replacement supermen, that's what's missing in every instance. It's the farm. They don't have the farm. They don't have Jonathan and Martha. They don't have the values. They don't have the parents who taught them how to care. It's just- humanity. They don't have that humanity. And so, you know, again, and also too, I know we mentioned this last time, that the creators around the time of Death of Superman felt like the character wasn't, you know, valued as much, especially at that time in the 90s, people gravitating more towards darker, more violent characters. And, you know, Eradicator and Cyborg, you know, like that kind of represents that type of character. But it's like they still can't hold a candle to Superman. And so, you know, there's a lot about the story as much as it is, I mean, it's a real fun fast paced, action-packed, oh, yeah. blockbuster. Like it's a cool it's a cool story, man. And I, I it thought really it held is. up well. But yeah. there there really I think it also does get at some fundamental truths about the character. And I really do appreciate that. Now we're almost at the hour mark. There's still a lot to talk about. But I gotta ask you. Yeah I, I gotta jump to Green Lantern for a second.
2: That's
0: okay. So you know the sort of the big turning point in in this storyline is when Cyborg oh. reveals himself to be a villain who has mongol you know in his command and they team up and they obliterate coast city the home of green lantern killing seven million people and wiping the city from the face of the earth now the path that this would set hal jordan on that's really its own conversation and i know people have you know what's funny though i don't know how so many people feel as strongly as they did back in the day i feel like a lot of time has passed hal has come back but, you know, this right. set Hal on a path to villainy and sacrifice and eventual return. But the question I have for you is <laughs> just thinking about the Coast City aspect of this. Oh, it's like how mess like as, a, as if you're a Green Lantern fan, I feel like it's oh. pretty messed up if your character's home base is destroyed in a crossover for another character. It's like, what the hell? Yeah.
1: That would mean think about it. Like it's like in Green Lantern, Metropolis is offed. Yeah, like you'd be like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean they're gone? And and first of all, and Green Lantern's not even there. Yeah, like he's off planet, and you see him coming back. Like that. That's that's the pretty messed up part of it. I all I wrote, I have uh, the way I set my notes of I have like all dashes for info. And then I have like asterisks, so I remember, like, oh, this is important. All I wrote was like caps. This is crazy. Um, well, because first of all, it's you kind of see it happening. Carol's on the phone talking to Clay in the wheelchair. One of the characters from the show, from the actual series. You see these bombs getting placed. You know it's going dark, pretty bad. And then there's like the the two page layout of. The, like a Holocaust just wipes it to not like the dirt. I, that's a big thing for DC to do. Whether it was in a Green Lantern book or in a crossover book, I to, I still am like a little shocked they did that. Like that's set, what is it, 7 million? Yeah, everybody gone. And to me, that was, that was a big step that changed, I think, a lot of the DC universe going into the late
0: 90s. I agree 100%. I mean, you know, that was the thing too, that because I, I knew, you know, I knew from you know, from memory, it's like, yeah, I know Coast City is right. destroyed, but, you know, rereading it, it's like, especially when they repeatedly tell you that death toll, it's like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, uh. you know, we talked in the last episode of how Death of Superman did a great job and Funeral of showing the fallout yes. of Superman's battle with Doomsday. But, you know, the right. death toll there, you know, I mean, I mean again, hundreds, you know, hundreds, you know, not 7 million. I mean, it was, no. and the thing too is like, I mean, I don't know, I guess if you were going to have Hal turn in his own book later on, you know, then I guess maybe you do need to destroy all of Co City. But it's like, in the context of this, I was thinking, it's like, if they had just taken out a few blocks, that would have been, enough. that would have been pretty bad in and of its, you know, it like, yeah. could have been part of the city. It was just, it like, was, it was a big swing. And, and again, though, the thing though, just from the fan perspective, it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. like to your point, if Metropolis had been destroyed, oh. completely obliterated in like Sinestro Core war, and then there was like yes. one issue of Superman that tied into it. And he, like, yeah. super, Superman finds Metropolis gone. It would. I don't know. I would be kind of pissed off about that.
1: Yeah. I might put down the book. I'd be like, wait, wait, like how did you just wipe out? Cause coast city's been around. I mean, a lot. I mean, I don't, I, my green lantern history is very limited, but I do know it also got rebooted in 87 and 88, the same time as everything else. Gerard Jones took over that book. But I, I think coast city was also in existence during the bronze age, if not earlier when they started the book. So That's very, very weird to just, we're going to pick this city and we're going to off it. I hope everyone's okay with that. I get if they were having their own summits talking about Green Lantern having his own journey. I mean, if I was Green Lantern, I'd probably go off the frigging deep end too and, and do what he did in Emerald Twilight because that's pretty messed up.
0: Yeah, like I said, I mean that's honestly it's a separate conversation. It's one we might have on this podcast at some point, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's like I don't know. I know for fans at the time, it was very jarring and it was upsetting that their their Green Lantern yeah. took that term. But if you're really just looking at the pages of the story, it's like I don't know. I kind of buy that he would go,
2: and I don't know yeah. that.
0: And I, I guess this is debatable, but it's like I don't know that I would even say he went nuts. It's like. The means existed, the power was there to yeah. undo this, and he was denied that, and so he went rogue. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't know, I probably would too.
1: <laughs> I would too, yep. <laughs> now, this could be another podcast you and I do, which it's part of the Superman mythos, but have you read any of Injustice?
0: So I actually have an episode coming up. Uh, oh, just yes. Okay, a, little, a little bit later this fall, uh, Justin DeVoe is going to come back, and we are going to talk nice. about the Injustice animated movie, the forthcoming injustice animated oh, movie okay uh, so i've not played the game or read the comics okay. but he has yep. and i will be watching yeah, the movie same. and so we are going to be talking about that so yeah we will, oh, we will get be, to I'll that be,
1: i'll be i'd be in i love just i love when justin's on the show to begin with too and he's the right person to go bananas on a thing like injustice it's uh, it's great but i mean that's the story of an, an elseworlds basically where superman loses it because metropolis is destroyed and joker kills lois yeah so I mean, it's it's pretty incredible, and 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 you start to go like, yeah, I would be in Superman's corner, but what he starts doing gets really pretty rough. So then it's the Justice League trying to remind him why this is crazy. Yeah, but that's going to be a great episode. I'm so happy you're doing that.
0: It'll be cool. Well, speaking of Justin, I have a, a Justin centric commercial. So let's take uh, one more commercial break. Uh, we'll hear <laughs> nice. about uh, Justin's podcast and his uh, fitness business. And, uh, nice. and then we will get into, uh, the second hour of our discussion of Reign of the Superman. Still, still a lot to cover. And, uh, so we'll be right back. Should cool. is a weekly podcast by dads sharing their fairly new dad experiences and also just talking about whatever. Listen, relate, and laugh. I was a guest on episode 90 and it was a blast. One of the hosts is a multiple guest of this show, Justin DeVoe. To follow Justin's fitness and cosplay journey, follow him on Instagram at real life Lobo. And if you're interested in starting or continuing your own fitness journey, check out Iron and Honor on Instagram. All right. And we're back. And, you know, while we're talking about upcoming episodes, so in two weeks, as I mentioned, we have V. Ken Marion returning. We're going to talk about the visual style and evolution of Superman. Uh, two weeks after that, we is the episode with Justin on uh, Injustice. And then our we only have a couple of episodes after that for the year because we'll be returning to our, our bi-weekly schedule there might be a little special bonus gotcha. also in the mix at some point uh, maybe even something Batman centric so people should keep an eye out for that but oh. uh, then our final couple couple episodes of the year um, I will be covering Superman 3 and Superman 4 the Christopher Reeve movies oh. but in a little different way than people might be expecting um, It's not like a huge secret but it, it's it's kind of this this cool version of Superman 3 and 4 that I'm I'm excited to present to people. And for that, I'll be joined by uh, Tyler, one of the hosts of the Krypton Report podcast. And he's actually the one who nice. kind of gave me the idea for that. Uh, so that'll be nice. coming up. And then we're going to end the year, you know, we basically began this podcast with, in episode two with uh, a discussion of the Jeff Loeb, Joe Kelly, Superman era. Right. And I've long promised a return to that era with more of a focus on the Joe Kelly portions Mm -hmm. of of the era and uh so Mike San Gregorio who's been on the show multiple times he'll be back and he and I will be talking about uh Joe Kelly's run on Superman and Superboy and might even touch on JLA a little bit so that's kind of how we'll wrap up the year and then man wait until we get to 2022 I'm not going to announce this yet but we're going to hit the ground running like hard nice with uh with another weekly event it's going to be it's going to be great I'm, I'm excited to do it so that's what's coming up. All right. So reign cool. of the Superman. What else? What are some of the other things that you have on your notes for reign of the Superman stuff that you really wanted to get into? Cause I, I have some yeah. questions for you, but I want to save them. I want to get to your stuff. Okay,
1: first. cool. Um, I kind of like that. Lex is such an enigma in this era of like, he know like we now know at this point, obviously that he's Lex Luthor one, he's Australian Lex Luthor two. He is extremely appropriate as how he talks to and about Supergirl, which drives me nuts. But um, it's clear too, like, even from the beginning, how Lex is like, he wants to be the one to try to get to the bottom of what's going on. He hates that. He does not know what's happening. Um, that's in that stuck out to me really big with that. And I, and um, do you have anything about that you want to touch on?
0: Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. So, Well, I guess this kind of speaks to a larger point, but you know, we've talked a lot about the supporting cast in especially the early, actually most of what we read for this, but especially the early part, you know, a lot of those characters don't really get as much play because we're introducing four new characters. Like there's a lot of, that takes up a lot of real estate. So you don't really have, you know, uh, uh, you know, much of a, you know, a Jimmy Olsen subplot the way we might have in the the past as much as he's there, but you know, he's not carrying as much story. Um, that being said, you know Lois and Lex really are the ones who, yeah. you know, we're kind of seeing a lot of this through as they're each trying to figure out who the real Superman is for very different reasons. Um, but what I love about this, and I'm glad you brought it up, with Lex is like, and that we I think we touched on this when we talked about Funeral for a Friend as well, where mm-hmm. it's like his interests and his objectives are aligned with Lois's and a lot of the other characters for different reasons. It's like in Funeral for a Friend, yeah. like they all want to get the body back you know, Lois, because, you know, that's the man she loves and she wants to make sure he's at peace and, and undisturbed. Uh, Lex is just like, I want to bury this guy. But yeah. regardless of the reasons, their interests are aligned. And so, and so I just think that's like a cool little, uh, you know, cool little wrinkle in all of this. And so, yeah, I enjoyed, yep. you know, Lex as he's kind of trying to, you know, to figure all of this out. Yeah, I, I, I dug that. And too. I
1: want to I want to come back to Lex when we get to the very end okay when we get to when we get to the very end of the return of superman there's another really interesting scene in the epilogue that we should talk about real fast at the end um i really thought was kind of interesting when when we get to see doomsday's body and cyborg bust down and at this point we still think cyborg is like i guess i don't want to say okay but we don't know what's going on he just seems very cold very calculating um, breaks into Cadmus and he's standing in front of Doomsday. And a line that I thought was really interesting was he, he says, they never even washed my blood off of you. You're wearing it like a badge of honor. And then like at the end of that very same issue, Doomsday is thrown into space and the last thing we hear and see is his eyes open and him laughing. And I'm just thinking, like, he's still gonna come after superman he's still like he's got his blood on him he's gonna come back he wants more so the like that to me was i'm excited to know more about doomsday and that just that line stuck out to me
0: yeah the doomsday laughing that even as a kid like that was there are a few moments that have always kind of stuck in my head. And I think especially having read them as a little kid, it's like something's just like really cemented. And that's one of them is Doomsday Laughing. I mean, look, like I said last time, I think with with that character, it's law of diminishing returns. And it's like, you know, again, you start off with killing Superman. Again, yeah. I don't know that any subsequent Doomsday stories have, you know, Really, I don't know if they've been worth the ride, and maybe some of them have, but that was still, it was definitely an intriguing moment. Now, I want actually wanted to ask you something cyborg-related. So when, okay. and I mentioned this earlier, when he's talking to Lois and trying to make a case for himself, it's, you know, he claims, you know, memory loss because of the, the trauma that he went through and the reconstruction of his body, now with the cyborg component, these metal components, he's now part man, mm-hmm. part machine. But he does say that he has these memories of, or, or at least a flash of Kent and the farm, and I was saying to myself it's like where would that have come from? Like where would he have gotten that? The only thing that I can think of and you know audience you know, or Bernie yourself, I don't know if you if you're aware yeah. of anything else like let me know. The only thing I could think of is that you know Superman's birthing matrix ends up yep. in space because and this goes all the way back to Superman number 1 by Byrne, the scientist who mm-hmm. created Metallo had tracked the rocket to the Kent farm and had taken it. And after yeah. Superman um he, you know, he tracks the rocket to this lab, and he like throws the whole lab into space. So maybe yeah. when the Hank Henshaw consciousness was departing, and he passed through the lab and the birthing matrix, maybe there was enough there that at least gave him Kent and the farm, because that's where the scientists got the rocket.
1: Right, and I that I asked myself that question, and that was the conclusion I came to because I think too, in the burn understanding of the birthing matrix it's very different like from the superman movie versions where it the it's a husk. This is like in Smallville actually a very present ship that has a consciousness that has the ability to still collect data. So that I, to me I think that's how that worked out. Now, keeping that in, that whole idea in mind, Cyborg is a little bit too chatty because he starts talking about things that becomes a tell that make Lois go, wait a second. Like he didn't have his powers as a boy. What is he talking about? So now like nobody else knows except for Lois. Like, ah, uh Oh, uh Oh, uh -oh, we got to figure this out. He's not, he's not who he says. He's a bad guy. And I, and I think that was kind of interesting to me too. It's like, yeah, that's nice that you decided to bring up the Kent's, but you didn't know when to shut your mouth. (laughs) Like so.
0: And I think that's another great example of, you know, the, the humanity being the missing piece. It's like what, yeah, proves to be cyborg's downfall in part at least as far as him being found out by lois is that you know mm-hmm. superman had this earthly life he shared his life with a human and he shared these details about himself and it's like as cyborg maybe you didn't take that into account but it's like well there you go and that ultimately was you know again was your tell so yeah i, I like that right. a lot that was a good that was a good bit
1: now don't forget to hank henshaw it's a very different approach to villainy because if you read the very very first appearance of Hank he is a good guy he mm-hmm. is a nice person and he is heroic in his own nature but he goes through trauma that ultimately makes him snap plus his consciousness is put into technology i'm pretty sure that would make any of us snap because he didn't have his own body he was saying he was feeling pain but he was but he couldn't feel it himself so he does know humanity, but he is the psychologically traumaed side of humanity, not the risen by the Kent kind of humanity. So we got to remember Cyborg is Cyborg is half human, half robot. That's the whole idea. But his half human is pretty disturbed and needs some therapy.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I, so that was one of the questions that I wanted to pose to you, because the, with the whole reveal it, you know, one thing that Cyborg Superman is bad, right? That's reveal number one. But then this, the, right. the part two of that is that Cyborg Superman Why? is actually Hank Henshaw. And, mm. you know, Henshaw only appears, I mean, there are, <laughs> bef- before uh, yeah. you know, before their ship. So again, this is going back years uh, in the Superman books. And we talked about this episodes ago, but just for a quick recap, um, you know, it basically Jergens does this take on the Fantastic Four, where you have these right. uh, scientists aboard a spaceship who are bombarded by radiation, but instead of becoming superheroes, they all are mm-hmm. turned into these monstrosities and and die one by one. And right. Hank Henshaw is the one who's left, and his consciousness keeps surviving even as his physical forms die or are destroyed. And then he eventually yes. leaves Earth, and again, as he leaves Earth, passes through the birthing matrix. Now. There were a couple of like real, real fleeting appearances of the scientists on the rocket ship, you know, uh, in a for a few issues. But the actual meat of the Hank Henshaw story was like two issues and they were yeah. they weren't back to back either. Yeah. So here's my question, because, you know, my, I guess my experience now with this is very different than I than someone's would have been at the time where I'm going into Reign of the Superman knowing that Cyborg is Hank. And I recently read those Hank stories for the first time, knowing that he would become Cyborg. So it's like I read them and I was really interested in them because I'm like, oh, this is the origin of the cyborg superman. Right. But I okay. wonder like if you, you know, had initially kind of, you know, read those those Hank Henshaw stories and didn't think much yeah. of them because, you know, in and of themselves, you know, they were fine. But if you didn't know God. what was coming, I don't know that you would put that much weight on them. And then you get to this quote unquote big reveal that it's Hank Henshaw. I don't know like how much of an it's impact a weird... that would have had
1: no and i i feel like it only has impact after the fact now yeah i i, I it's kind of like okay if you see like a mystery movie like if you're watching knives out for example and there's a pizza delivery guy that was in the movie for like two minutes and he's the murderer you'd be going wait that guy like that doesn't make i feel like now again it wasn't Long before, because I mean, what the hey Kenshaw issue was, what 1990
0: 91, maybe, yeah, somewhere thereabouts, kind of, yeah.
1: But I mean, don't forget, two and a half years in the Superman universe is 150 to 175 issues, so I, I would be a little gypped, like, especially this is pre internet, there's no way to just Look back easily to figure out who Hank Henshaw is. So a lot of people probably going, "Who the hell is Hank Henshaw?" Like, <laughs> like if you if you introduce if you made it like Ron Troop or something like like if it was somebody that was like showing up became a supporting cast member, that's a lose your poop moment. And but I think I would be a little pissy if I was a regular reader as an adult, like for those five years.
0: That's where I land on that, too. And, you know, as always, I'd be curious to hear from the audience, you know, for anyone, especially if you really read this as it unfolded and you didn't know the reveals going in, how it played. Because, yeah, right. that was the one thing I kept thinking of. It's like, yeah, for me, this is cool because I knew to read those Hank Henshaw origin issues closely right. and I was really we interested. Could. Right, yeah. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know that it would have had that impact. The, I guess, though, now, all that being said, I think, you know, it was a clever choice. Like I actually, so I have an article for 13th dimension that uh, came out recently where I counted down the top 13 reasons to revisit the early triangle era. And one of the things I I mentioned in there was that, you know, like we talked about last time that the super teams pivoted into this death of Superman thing when their original plans, you know, were, were postponed for the wedding, but it's kind of remarkable like how much stuff was already in place to be tapped into. And, you know, you look at hang Henshaw. It's the fact that, and I, again, maybe Jurgens was already planning to do something with him down the line. I, I don't know. But it's like you have this consciousness that passed through a birthing matrix on its way out into space. It's like, well, that's per- it's like that it's a perfect vehicle to create this character. Yeah, so it, right. it was clever. But yeah, as far as reveals go, the only thing I can think of is that it was shocking enough that Cyborg was bad and that he obliterated Coast City. Maybe the yes. reveal of who he really was.
2: It, yeah, it wasn't didn't a big matter deal. as much yeah.
0: kind of thing as right.
1: you know. Oh, I definitely think that it was premeditated well. I think Juergens, they knew, like, we created this character. Let's use him in this way. That was the point of creating the Cyborg Superman character to begin with. I don't, I don't think it was, let's create this character. Oh, no, we have to figure out his origin kind of deal. I just think to a reader who's not on the super team of writers, it, it may be confusing, but I'm, you're on point saying, Hey, we already made him bad. He just killed 7 million people. Who cares who he is? That's not the point right now.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. And another question for you, because I know, you know, when we talked about bronze age, Superman, we talked about Mongol mm-hmm. in the, for the man who has everything story. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, well, I guess generally speaking, what's your take on the use of Mongol in this story? Cause there's a few interesting aspects. I was curious what you thought.
1: It. I don't love it. Oh, interesting. Because, honestly, because Mongol to me is one of the few people that could not only decimate Superman, but has every reason to. Like he's got a pretty good reason why he should off Superman and actually make Earth War World Two. Um, and he really is one of the few people that both Superman and him can actually go at it. Mono a mano and and be pretty equal fight. Um, And we talked about this last episode that did I love the doomsday choice? Sure, I think it worked out really well and random sidebar. There was apparently some computer that the DC like editor like they actually would plug in ideas to find out like data on what would be a good choice. Like who would what if we did this how would that affect sales if we did this? How would it affect sales? It's like a choose your own adventure data analysis. And they actually thought that the idea of a we don't know the villain would do better in sales than if we did. Whether I agree with that, I don't know. But, um, I it was interesting to me, it was ironic that Mongol is ultimately Cyborg Superman's slave. Yes, and after Mongol was so used to being the master to all of these slaves now he is having a hard time being subordinate to cyborg which we find out but then ultimately he's like no like i'm still i don't care what that guy says i'm doing my own thing here
0: yeah i mean it's it's interesting to me because it's like i did like i like the dynamic between mongol and cyborg that you know, yes. there was this, there was this tension there and Mongo was being placed in a position that was antithetical to him to be subservient. I mean, literally kneeling right. before the yeah. Cyborg Superman, although I have to say that's such a badass iconic page where Mongo yeah. kneels before him. And so I guess, you know, look, I mean, it's a specific choice because, you know, putting Mongo in that position mm-hmm. just instantly cues the reader to the fact that like what, like Cyborg Superman is top level villain here. You know, if he subjected Mongol, who has already been, you know, in play, he would, you know, played a big part in the exile storyline, Superman defeated him, deposed him from War World, that, you know, uh, incurred uh, the wrath uh, of Mongol, who's, you know, has sought revenge. Um, So to put him in that position before Cyborg Superman, I think accomplishes a lot in terms of furthering the Cyborg Superman character. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, was that the right choice? Might it have worked better if it were flipped? And you found Mm -hmm. out that Cyborg was working for Mongol because because that's the thing. If it's Mongol, I mean, you still have the reveal of Mongol either way. But like if more of this were a plot of Mongol, it really does pay off. I think that's a better payoff than the Hank Henshaw thing.
1: I would agree, too. And it I could live with that. I could live with the doomsday choice if Mongol was end end game. Right. Like I was like, oh, that's cool. And I was not happy with how even Mongol ends up at the end of the Green Lantern issue. Like he is he he he's beating the crap out of GL, but then Green Lantern hits him, and he it's a weird set of two or three panels where he's like, I'm not really in trouble. Whoa! And then he like falls into the building and is buried, but not, and he, he comes back. It's just a weird way to end. That fight it was very anticlimactic for what Mongol should be.
0: Uh, yeah, you know, I don't disagree. Although, I don't know, now, like, playing devil's advocate, I wonder, you know, would Cyborg Superman have had the staying power that he did because i mean he would come back and i mean i don't know the last time he appeared but i think it was fairly recently i mean he you know he's a character like who keeps especially since his consciousness can never be destroyed like he keeps coming back he became more of a green lantern villain i think around the time of Mm -hmm. sinestro core war and all that stuff it's like i don't know would cyborg superman have had the legacy he did if he had been a pawn rather than the mastermind maybe you know, maybe he would have. Maybe it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. And I, I do know. I, we don't know the answer to that hypothetical. But I think they yeah. really like they. I think they really made the choice of like we're going to build up cyborg Superman here, and it it did come at the expense of Mongol.
1: A Mongol, and you know what I really liked. Something I do want to say is like one of the last things I really noticed about the rain. I I love that the like the DC universe put all their chips in, and said we're not. This is not going to be like a publicity where we're going to throw away these characters after the reign of Superman, we're going to put like, we're really signing and putting them collateral into these characters because they've all stayed the course. They could have very easily like in other events that we see across DC and Marvel, just like, yeah, they were important for that arc, but we don't need them anymore. I love that they became part of the DC pantheon of heroes and villains, really, which is really cool.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, same here. Like, I think that's, and it's, I mean, it's crazy when you think about the fact that they introduced four all new characters. I mean, because again, it's like, yes, we would ultimately find out that the visored Superman was Eradicator, but it's like, you didn't know that initially. And, you know, so it's like, you were, and again, Hank, you know, as well, you didn't know Cyborg was Hank Henshaw. So it's like, for all intents and purposes, you're starting off with four brand new characters and I think they did yeah. a great job of introducing them, integrating them into the story. And then, yeah, to your point, not just wiping the slate clean, but actually, you know, keeping these characters, using them moving forward. I mean, you know, Steel and Superboy yeah. become part of the Superman family. You know, Eradicator, yeah. like you said, you know, would go on to appear in Outsiders, and you know, it would continue mm-hmm. to pop up. The You know, we talked about the Loeb-Kelly era earlier. They use Eradicator right. there and the Mark Schultz, you know, Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, and again, Cyborg has continued to be a villain across the DC universe. So, uh, and appearing in other media as well. So it's like, yeah, these characters really stuck around, which I think is a testament to, um, you know, to, to what these creators came up with. I mean, these, they had some substance to them. They each represented something a little bit different. And uh, I maybe offered a way in for readers. I, you know, there might be something to that too. Like if you weren't necessarily the biggest Superman fan. I mean, we we are, but it's like, if you yeah. weren't, I mean, maybe a character like, Steel is more relatable because he doesn't have powers. Maybe a character like right. Superboy, Superboy is more relatable to a kid. You know, and that yeah. really kind of opens things up.
1: I I I need to after we're done with this go to the IMDb Superman and Lois site and I want to look at the age of the writers because I'm so curious if they're between the ages of 35 and 45 that As they're putting together story arcs going like, man, you know what I love when I was a kid into my teens? These characters, because you've got Steel, you've got Eradicator, you've got all this kind of stuff happening. So I'm like, that can't can't be a mistake.
0: I'm sure they're in that exact age bracket. And, you know, they just announced that um, they announced casting for a character for next season, Lieutenant. So it's a little different take on the character from the comics, but Lieutenant Mitch Anderson, the kid from the death of superman oh see
1: yeah they're definitely so
0: it's like that's the thing like they're deaf yeah f- no for sure and that, i mean that makes sense i think we've we're now come to the point where like yeah people who are growing up reading yeah. in the 90s now are the ones who are making the content right. and i yeah i mean look as a fan of this era i, I couldn't be happier that they're pulling from. No, it. They're,
1: exactly. you
0: know and they're doing it really well i mean it's it's awesome yes. and you know it's I mean, I would have been happy well, to have this it conversation. It That's the thing. It's like I would have been happy to yeah. have this conversation anyway. But I'm even more yeah. like invigorated by it because it's like, yeah, like it's still yeah. lit, it's still alive, and now yes. in a whole new way. Yeah. You know. So all right. So are sure. you
1: ready to you ready to jump into the second half?
0: Sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, we haven't. Ta- so that's the thing. I mean, you know, we haven't talked much yet about the return of Superman himself, which right. we, we must. And but the last thing I want to say, and I, not to sound like a broken record, because I know I've been talking about the supporting mm-hmm. cast over and over and over, but I no, really think great. that's like that's, the that's important. I think that's the the linchpin of this era of Superman. And yes, to that point, it's like if you didn't have that robust supporting cast, mm-hmm. funeral and rain don't work. Like I just they don't work if you don't have these characters who care about Superman, who mourn Superman, who question the replacement Superman. Like it just it all falls apart. And so, yeah, you know, to kind of when we're not done yet, but to sort of, you know, take the long view of like everything that we've been reading and talking about over these episodes. It's like it all builds and they really they built out a world here and a supporting cast that allowed for these stories. And if you didn't have that again, it's just like I think most of it goes away.
1: Be pretty thin. Um, I guess the one thing I did forget about is I can't remember what number it is because we've read it in the trade form, but the Ron Troop article.
0: Oh, I love that issue!
1: Right, mm-hmm. everything from the way it was written to the layout of the actual book. I gotta look it up again. I want to find it. I know I have it in in single form in my cases here, but I just I I found myself going back. And looking a few times at that going, oh, I really, I really dug. That was a very interesting approach to, I mean, they could have just kept going with the same style, but they did do something different. I love that they tried something different, even in this massive serialized story arc, which was really cool.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I might have forgotten and I am i wouldn't want to because that stood out to me so much when I was reading. And that's a perfect example of the difference when you read at age six versus age yep. 34. Because I that is a memory that I have of being like, I guess somewhat put off by that issue. Cause it's, so it's, you know, from Ron Troop's perspective, like he's writing an article. And so it's not told in the traditional comic book format. You have the prose no. of Ron's article and then illustrations to accompany it. Right. Yes. And it's a Dan Juergen's issue. And, you know, again, mm. as a kid, I think I was just kind of like, this isn't what a comic looks like, <laughs> you know, but I read yeah. it now, and I'm like, Oh, like this is, it's a cool, different way to tell the story. And it also, you know, Ron Troop was around, Prior to this, but this was the most time we spent with him, and you know it begins with him talking about filling the shoes of Clark Kent and how much admiration he has for Clark, who again everyone assumes has is you know buried under the rubble from the battle with Doomsday and you know most likely yeah. is dead or at the very least will be soon without food or, or water, and so yeah. you know to see Clark the reporter, see this wasn't someone mourning Superman, this was someone mourning Clark the reporter,
1: Clark, right?
0: Yeah. Um, and again, not like, you know, obviously Lois and the Kents were mourning Clark, but they were mourning the entire person. This was someone really mourning yes. like the Daily Planet version of Clark Kent and trying to tell a story that would earn him a spot at the Daily Planet to, to I mean, effectively replace Clark. It
1: was, it was and a really he cool, does, And he does. He has his desk. And that, that's what hurt Lois a lot too, Yeah, that was the first people are moving on. Like. They're, they're, you know, he's he's not coming back. He's got his desk. He's taking his bylines, that kind of stuff. So it, it made me sad. I mean, obviously, you know, what's going to happen. But you're like, oh, like, if you don't know what's going to happen, that could be really tough as a supporting cast member.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad you brought that well, up. And And, you know, look, that was a really key issue because that's the issue where Cyborg next. saves President Clinton from yep uh, a Karak terrorist uh, or assassination attempt and that earns him the the trust and the favor of the United States government. they like instantly give him access to the entire you know information network <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> uh, but you know that instantly legitimat you know legitimatizes him in the eyes of you know certain characters in the story and maybe for some you know readers as well so it was a really a key issue and well told and told in a different way so I, I really dug yeah. that one. Cool. Uh, you know, you mentioned Lois. We do have a subplot with Lois where union oh. organizer, Jeb Friedman makes a play for her. And I hate that. Oh, that guy is such a, I, I mean, just oh, can't. God. Oh.
1: And it's like, he's like Clark's. I mean, how long has it been? Weeks? Barely, it's less than a month. Yeah. Like I'm like, dude, and he's got the earring and the, like, and I'm like, I just don't like anything about this, this part of it. I want to just Lois a like name in the balls. I really hoped.
0: Yeah, he does not. And then she get...
1: kisses him, which really bothers me. I was like, ugh.
0: Yeah, the kiss was tough. I mean, obviously, look, like Lois is struggling deeply, right? But yeah, that was that was a tough pill to swallow, and it just it would have been more palatable if Friedman had ultimately gotten his comeuppance in this story. Mm-hmm. He doesn't.
1: Nope. No, he doesn't, which bothers me. And like, he just he kind of goes off on Lois a little bit too. That I think the last thing he says is, you know. The fact of the matter is I think you're is this does Clark really know how much you really love Superman and you're more worried about him being okay, and I'm like, make this guy go away, please make him go away, <laughs> like like could he have been in coast City
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no nah, he i yeah, that I mean that character i I don't know i I wish that's one instance where i wish that maybe they had gone in a different direction like i first of mm-hmm. all i don't know that you need any romantic interest no. for lois at this point in the story Gosh, no but if you're going to it's like you know what it is because this guy was clearly a predator i mean at one point he even we had yeah. the thought bubble where he's like if the only way yeah. i could get her on the rebound is if the only way yes. i could get her is on the rebound that's fine it's like this guy's a scumbag but it's he's like,
2: a he's sleaze yeah
0: he's such a sleaze and it's like, I don't know what that really adds to the story that like she's being preyed upon. I mean, to be honest, no, like, it, it if they were going to do anything like, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe not Jimmy Olsen, but like someone who actually cared because that friend. actually like a friend, like that actually could have been kind of interesting if like in her grief, she turned to someone for comfort and something developed and she didn't know how to deal with it. I think like that's, there's enough tension there that like you don't need, you don't need the added, like the added level well, of the sleaze
1: and i can't remember and you've just read it so you could tell me what was the end of the story arc with jose delgado
0: oh so that was the last time oh so, thank you again i'm so cuz i don't really have i have like two things that i jotted down i don't really have like, <laughs> like <laughs>
1: this is why i'm here for <laughs> you baby oh no, it's like
0: uh it's funny for this run of episodes i've i've used notes more than i have in the past for the most part right. though i usually i don't um but uh jose we we saw him one last time in adventures 500 okay i believe that was in the you know the anniversary issue ordway's final uh issue on oh. adventures where um he has returned to his vigilante crime fighting ways but he's like really kind of gone off the deep end and is is violent and he's now oh. the the target of inspector bill henderson
1: oh okay And he
0: ultimately leaves town so that's the and end I, you of jose. know what
1: i and I couldn't remember that, and that's un- that's actually too bad, yes. Because Marvin Jerry created that character, and I would have liked, especially as a really important like Hispanic character, also like don't let him end that way. But what I was thinking was, wouldn't it have been nicer for Jose to come back in town to be a friend to Lois? Yes, like that would have been like, oh, that is a person that. There's a history. It'd be cool for the readers. We know there's not going to be something romantic. They've already gone down that path. She really just needed a friend and not this freaking loser Jeb. And like I, I kept going like, why wasn't this Jose? This would have been such a better choice.
0: Yeah, I because you know it's like I don't know. Now again, devil's advocate. I mean, I wonder if the idea with. Maybe they were, maybe the creators, again, why they felt they needed to do this at all, I don't really know. I mean, I felt like otherwise they really did a great job of depicting Lois's grief and there was enough there. But if they felt that they needed to have this type of story, maybe they felt that they were protecting Lois's character by having her be, and again, when I say preyed upon, I mean, it's not like, you know, I I don't want to paint this guy out to be like, you know, such a villain, but you know, he was obviously like, he was pursuing her. He was pursuing Mm -hmm. her um yeah. and again his intentions weren't like oh i really want to comfort her his intentions were like oh she's available oh. And i'm gonna make my play but maybe no it wasn't
1: subliminal i mean it was clear in the thought bubble like, exactly what was going on
0: exactly yeah. but so maybe they felt like by having her be quote-unquote preyed upon and pursued like it was more okay for her for when they ultimately have that kiss as if as right. opposed to if you know things had developed more organically or if she had initiated something i don't know but again i don't think I don't think that does her any great service as a character if they felt that they needed Mm. to protect her in that way. So I, yeah, all in all that was, uh, that was not great. But like I said, I do think they depicted her grief well. And you know, your, your heart breaks for her when she's seeing all these replacement supermen. And especially when she's having the conversations and, you know, like with cyborg and eradicator in particular, where they really seem like viable options for being the true superman. And, you know, again, it's easy for us as readers of a comic book story that we know the ending to, right? Where right. it's like, well, we know he's going to come back. But it's like, from her perspective, it's like the idea of him coming back to life is not even yeah. a possibility. So the confusion a- a- and everything, uh, you know, must, it, it feels, you know, it's so, um, you know, uh, palpable. And I really thought they did a good job of depicting that.
1: Well, we talked about this last episode, too, that I think what stuck with us so much about Funeral for a Friend is that you didn't really get to see the human quality in a comic book when somebody died like we got to actually it was not an experiment but it was a dive into what would happen and how would people be affected if this really happened in real life you'd have a funeral there'd be grief there'd be guilt there'd be hardships and i like that we're still seeing that like and you have to pretend it's not a comic book you have to remember like what if what if this was my wife and, and I died, but then suddenly there's like four Bernie pretenders that which is that's just weird to begin with. But, um, but like, she'd be very distraught and confused. So we have to put ourselves in that shoes and not, oh, we know it's going to happen and it's a comic book. But I mean, we have to think like Lois.
0: Yes. So now my, I guess my last like big question and, you know, again, sure. anything else you have on your notes that you want to talk about, I'm happy to, yeah, and I'm cool. sure I'll have more stuff as well. But I mean, what? What were your thoughts on Superman's actual return? Was it a satisfying return? Was the reveal worth worth it? Was it a good payoff? What did you think?
1: The way it's separated, I feel like the way it was done in the trades and the way I was reading it again, it was kind of cool. Because then you have this like, what? wait, what is this thing? And then it's like, and then like this person drops out of it. And what I loved is, did you notice in that in that book the first panel that you go by is a Kryptonian battlesuit. Did you did you catch that?
0: Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I was like, "Ooh, battlesuit, battlesuit!" You know. And so I wrote that down right away. And then you see him drop out, and you don't really see right away, like who it is. You just see like the silhouette. But I, I liked. I do like the reveal. I think it's kind of neat. Um, I'm just a little sidebar. This whole podcast has been a really nice way for me to get an excuse to buy new merch so i I was i was able to find this (laughs) this black and silver with even the cuff stripes walmart had it online for 11 bucks and renee my wife was like walmart i'm like it's a superman shirt for the podcast she goes oh okay like not even (laughs) not even a second thought i was like I got to keep doing this podcast. It's the best excuse to buy new Superman merch. I know. It's
0: great. You could justify anything. It's like, well, look, it's for, you know, and all, you know, the comics like, I've bought, the, the, the app yep. subscriptions, all this. Stuff, I was like, well, yeah, it's for the podcast. Yeah.
1: Can we write it off on our taxes? Like podcast expense?
0: <laughs> I do. I do. So yeah.
1: yeah. There you go. But yeah, like I, I love this era of Superman's back. We don't fully know, like we, it's clear that, He's the real Superman as they've launched into these issues We don't know really yet though if he's back to full power we don't know what he remembers he's he's, he's watching the TVs and trying to figure out what's happened while he was gone so I, I did like the reveal I dug it Watch reading again
0: yeah I mean I didn't I didn't dislike it although I don't I don't know I guess I have a couple of thoughts some of them competing like on the one hand I don't know you know Superman's death that like those final, the final blows with doomsday and him collapsing in Lois's arms. Like they're just so mm-hmm. iconic and powerful. And I, I don't know if we have the equivalent on the other side. And I think right. part of that reason is that they did continue to build this mystery. I mean, I know you said like, it was clear that it was him when he came back, but it's like, right. I don't know that it totally was. I mean, like we were already dealing with four others. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, um, again, I think you would have a strong suspicion and certainly once we get to the issue where he has that private conversation with Lois. Right. And then we get to see him in action and we get to see him win over everyone. So that actually kind of leads me to what, what I guess the larger point I was, I was contemplating, which is, yeah, I don't think, you know, they don't give it to you a hundred percent that this is the real Superman returned when he emerges from right. that regeneration matrix.
2: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Um, But in so doing, it's like he wins the, like he, we go through this process of him winning over the reader, I guess, as he's winning over the characters. And so I I think there is something very poetic about that. So all in all, no, I do like it. And I've long, you know, again, as one of the first stories I read, like the idea of the regeneration matrix and the Kryptonian battle suit. It's like, man, I've always just as a fan, like I've just always loved them, always thought they were cool. What I thought was, was really, really made an impression on me was when he emerges from the matrix and, you know, I don't know. It's like, you wonder like, okay, whatever, are, what are his first thoughts and words going to be? And he's like, what's been happening? Yeah. It's like, okay, natural, right? you know, but it wasn't like, where's Lois, but it was like what, you know, what's happening. And so he gets brought up to speed and, you know, in that instance and throughout the rest of rain, it really, you know, matters to him and bothers him that these Mm -hmm. others are using his name and symbol i mean the first thing he says is like the name of superman like won't be turned into a franchise and it's like
1: i wrote that down i wrote i that i wrote that in quotes i love that line
0: i love it too although it's funny and I, i don't say this to nitpick it's just that i really was thinking about it i don't this version of superman we've been spending all the you know these past few years with it's like i don't know would that bother him that much I, I mean, clearly it did, but I—it's yeah. like I don't—I don't know that I would have predicted that. If you had said like, "Okay, he's going to see these wow. four supermen," what is his reaction going to be? I don't know that I would have—I yeah. would have thought that.
1: I can see that, and it's interesting. And to say that before asking, "Where's Lois?" Right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Or, I mean, don't forget—does he really know Pa's alive? Like, does he know where his mom and dad are right now? Like, I think that was a first clue that we he doesn't have he's not back it's not just back to full power it's back to like he gets popped out of the egg carton and and he and he doesn't really know who he fully is but he that's why he say like tell me what's going on where am i yeah. he's in a haze and then all the robots are kind of helping back to to figure out what's going on
0: and the fact but, yeah that, yeah and that he's in the fortress like i'm sure that plays into it i mean if he had woken up on the farm you know, maybe his right. initial thoughts would have been different. So, yeah, I mean, from a psychological perspective, like, it, it is really interesting. Um, you know, when he comes out of the Matrix, he has the, um, it is a black suit, but he also has those, mm-hmm. like, Kryptonian beads on it. He would right. eventually change into the the sleek black suit that has now become, you know, synonymous with the, the reign of the Superman. Yeah. Uh, are you a fan of the black suit? I guess, I mean, I they're, judging suit. by the shirt you're wearing. I will,
1: I, I, <laughs> I've got the Superman I've got a figure I, I we'll talk about that too real fast in a little bit but I've got the figure from like 1996 I think or when they had a toy line
2: mm-hmm. when
1: Hunter Prey came out they did some great merchandise which I bought the hell out of and my daughter's played with it even still when they were born but um there's a Kryptonian battlesuit toy
0: Oh, I had that. that. I had that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yes,
1: yeah. it's so great. Like, and I, I think we still have it in the house somewhere. But uh, yeah, I, any 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 black suit. I just picked up the Henry Cavill black suit action figure that just came out. I'm like, yep, that's mine. That's automatic. That's what yeah. I'm wearing
0: right now is the Henry Cavill uh, black suit. I saw that. Superman. I
1: love it. I just I don't know why it's just so slick, and it also makes me harken back to this time. it just it's like a memory.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You know the the red and blue costume is so. I mean, it's it is it's like it's iconic. Yet this, there's something about the black suit, mm-hmm. and you know when uh, when when Ken was on the show and we were talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League, we were talking about you know whether we like the black suit with the cape or not, which we oh. get in the movie. And I get like what I say. I don't. You don't like the cape.
1: I don't like the cape. No. Why? That's just that's just me. I don't know. I I think just the silver and black comes off a little more badass for some reason to me. Like a little more like, you can't get rid of me. I'm jacked. I'm going to mess you up. Uh, the cape I love. The cape comes off to me as like regal or like uh, iconic with the original suit. I kind of like that there's no cape with this one because it, it, it creates a difference between the two suit and that's just me dude you can like you can love it
0: no that's the thing like I, he, I mean i liked i liked seeing it in motion in the movie i thought it was really cool but what oh. i what i had said and it, it does hold true is that i feel like with the cape then it's it's just a black version of the costume mm-hmm. without the cape it like then it really does become something a little bit different to your point so uh right. yeah i mean I, I you know i love the black suit uh you know uh, uh, you know, again, I think it was quite fitting that by the end of the story, he is back in the red and blue duds that that mm. Supergirl uh, is able to create for him with a telekinetic realignment of yeah. the clothing that he's wearing, <laughs> the tatters that he's wearing. But uh,
1: yeah, that was not my favorite moment.
0: <laughs> no, so again, I think f- f- just in terms of bringing the story full circle, I think putting him back in the costume yeah. made sense. But there, you know, there's a part of me that's like, I eh, that kind of would have been cool. And look in Zack Snyder's justice league, like he ends the movie with him still in the black costume. So I don't yeah. know. It might've been interesting to see the black costume play out a little bit longer, especially if they kind of wanted to play around with this idea of like, well, he's not quite, I mean, they went with the long hair, but yeah. keeping him in the black suit might've, you know, they might've been able to do a little bit more of like, look, he's, he's different now.
1: Right. Yeah. It's so funny to me that like, that stuck with me forever. That the, anytime I see black, black and silver Superman, any figure is like, oop, my like.
0: <laughs> yeah now i want to talk about the way that superman comes back to life because you brought this up earlier and i it stood out to me as well because they say it a bunch of times in the story that because i maybe i guess they assumed fans would say well superman he didn't really look he didn't really die after all like he was just in a coma like they are very clear right. numerous characters are like nope, nope he died Dead. <laughs> yeah um and you know, we get more of the pieces of the puzzle during the the latter part of the reign, but it's really in that um, one of the epilogue issues uh, of action mm-hmm. comics where uh, Doctor Occult visits Superman and Lois, and kind of like lays all of this like, like in case anyone was confused, like this is what happened.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, you but, were dead. Now you're back.
0: <laughs> yeah. But what I like, I, you know what I, I, and even as a kid, I always liked this. And because I re, it's funny, I remember explaining this probably to my parents, like how Superman came back to life. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it's, what I liked about it was that it was uh, spirit and body, going back to this yeah. idea of the body, right? Like we needed the eradicator to take the body from the coffin and place it in the regeneration matrix where it's bombarded by solar radiation and, and can recharge. Right. But we also needed Pa Kent in the afterlife to grab his mm-hmm. son and be like, we're not done yet. We got to go. And I love right. that. And this idea that, you know, when the Eradicator is, you know, pulled together and reformed in the fortress by the robots and he finds out Superman has yeah. died, like his intent is to take over the body. And it's at that right. instant when he tries to do that, that the body fights back because now the spirit yeah, has can't returned, do it. Uh-huh. you know, and he ends up stealing mass from the the marble underneath yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Or like, yeah, I need a little extra something, something. So I'm going to take from this,
0: you know, and then he brings the body to the fortress and puts it in the matrix because he himself now cannot absorb sunlight directly, but he can absorb it through Superman through the matrix. So, I mean, it was a little convoluted, but it worked because I think what was really beautiful about it was you did have the the spiritual side that involved Pa Kent and his humanity. Mm -hmm. But then you did also have the Kryptonian technology and you couldn't have one without the other. I, I really I think. It was an effective explanation.
1: Yeah, and again, like I, I, I hate to go back to this again, but that it would be worth talking about who on the creative staff was was planting little faith bubbles in this too, because that's directly out of most faiths is that your body is dead and and your spirit moves on. But I'm just so I never even looked into that to find out like. Were any of the creators, did they have faith in their life? Did they purposely do those things? Because that could have gone a very different direction depending on who the writers are. Well, yeah. and Maybe or maybe they tailored it. Maybe they tailored it to an audience that they thought would would understand it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know that. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely plays into the the Jesus resurrection. And, you know, we haven't, I don't think we've really touched on. Even maybe in the last episode, but the, uh, the cult that forms. Yeah. Uh, that worships at the statue of Superman. And then they divide into, into their, their yeah, various multiple cults.
1: And they like, one's like, looks like the cyborg cult. It's like, Oh gosh, this is going to be messy. Like,
0: But you know, it's like reading that. And again, ma- that's another thing that as a kid, I was probably like, this is weird. Now I'm like, yep, there would be a cult and they wouldn't agree.
1: There'd be a riot. There'd be fights. Yep. There would. Yeah. Without a doubt.
0: Uh, but so, you know, when, when Superman finally, you know, makes it to Metropolis and we do have that, right. you know, I mentioned before, like those iconic moments. Yeah. When he comes out of the, the war suit and he's like Metropolis over my dead body. Uh, right. that was, that, <laughs> although it was cool, but I, did you notice there were like, they, I think they, they hit that note a little bit too hard. Like there were numerous yeah. exchanges in the story where he's like, we'll, we'll stop cyber, or die trying like over, you yeah, know, there's yes. a lot of stuff like that.
1: At the very end, that's the last that's the last phrase of the entire run when he's with Lois and he's holding Lois and, or die trying. And I was like, I like that. It's but it's very like classic hokey end of a movie. We just used a pun. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, it's like we get it. It's, it's kind of you know, it we weird. It. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, get it. he died. <laughs>
0: uh, but, you know, so he has this private conversation with Lois.
1: Yeah. Remind me because I hate the fact that I can't remember exactly what he said right now. I didn't write it down. What did he say to her well, that so convinced her?
0: There were a couple of things. Well, he says one thing that gets her to go off with him for a few minutes to have the private conversation, and that was To Kill a Mockingbird, which oh, was Clark's favorite yes. movie. And here's where my long-term reading project paid off, because recently, in the early Triangle era, I read an issue that began with Lois and Clark coming oh. out of the movie theater, and they were talking about their favorite movies, and Clark great. talked about To Kill a Mockingbird. So it's like, oh, great callback. I mean- yeah. It works anyway, right? Because it clearly elicits a reaction in Lois. So even if you didn't know that other story, it's like, well, okay, yes. they've had this conversation. But having well, read it was cool.
1: Yeah. And it's a Clark fact, not a Superman yes. fact. That's that's the great thing about that. That's like, no, the other ones could possibly say a Superman Kryptonian thing that Lois might know. But this was a a, a clear you should know who I am kind of tell. I
0: love it. Yes, and it wasn't like the Cyborg where he's like Kent a farm. It's like no, this was right. a very specific personal detail. So to her.
1: Yeah. So, so
0: they go off and talk in the airplane hangar and he basically repeats the farewell that he gave her before he went off, yeah. off to fight Doomsday at the very end and he's you know, he kisses her and he's like remember no matter what happens, I- I'll always love you. And yeah. you know, and he also tries to remind her of, you know, of, of other moments from from their past together. Right. Um, including that rainy night in July when they, I mean, then he gets cut off, but, uh, yeah. Got, yeah. Uh, cause there was, you know, one of their earliest dates, they were in Smallville for fireworks, presumably on 4th mm-hmm. of July. It wasn't raining then, but maybe it rain later and maybe they shared yeah. their first night together. Uh, there you go. but yeah, but it was, you know, again, as far as the readers being won over as the characters are being won over by the Superman, I think. Again, I didn't even necessarily feel this way before we started talking about it, but now that we are, I, I like—I don't know—I kind of think, yeah, there is something pretty uh, effective about doing it in that way, as opposed to being like, "This is Superman, he's back." It's like it unfolded, right. you know, it continued to be that little bit of a mystery, but it's like you're you're getting the pieces. So I, yeah, you know what? I think that was pretty good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like you change your mind in the last thirty minutes. That's good. <laughs> yeah,
0: hey, that's good. That's why we're that's here. Not, man. That's why
1: we do this. That's why we <laughs> talk, man. It's great. Um, I'm trying to think what else really stood out about the return that, that I was like, oh, we got to talk about this. Um, well, there's a Supergirl side of things. Let's touch on that really fast, where Supergirl has been asking for as long as basically Doomsday showed up, how she can help and has been treated like garbage by Lex. And basically, she's we find that she sneaks off and she's invisible like and helping even when they don't realize it. And if you do go back, there are a few of the first moments you notice where there are things that bounce off of nothing and you don't understand what happened. But I, I do like that reveal. And I think that was awesome that how they continue to use her or slash matrix throughout until the very end. I don't love the costume. Like t- uh, suddenly she can make, she's a telekinetic tailor. I don't get how that works, but everything else I really liked how they made her part of the story again as part of the Superman family.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you you brought her up. You know, the the relationship with Lex is, you know, icky at best and, like, (laughs) you know, really... Well, you know, I don't say problematic in the sense of, like, you know, uh, viewing it through a modern lens. I mean, I think even then, reading it, it's like, you know, this is clearly meant to show he's not treating her well. Uh, You know, again, though, I don't know that that does her character a lot of favors that she puts up with it. And part of me wonders, it's like you know, we know Lex is evil. Might it might it have been more interesting if, like, he actually did care for her and actually right. treated her well. Like, that would have shown a different side of the character. I don't know that he was necessarily capable of it, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's tough to see her, you know, t- take the the abuse, the verbal, you know, not, not even abuse, v- but, I mean, he really keeps her under his control. And it is kind of tough to see that and for the character to put up with that.
1: Well, and keep in mind, that's not Supergirl. Like, the, the matrix character itself right. is damaged to begin with. Like it was already kind of mentally damaged, had to kind of reboot and relearn a lot of stuff with the Kents and they kind of treat her like a stepdaughter. But so she was already kind of going into this relationship with him kind of damaged to begin with. But I do like that. She ultimately said, no, you know what? I need to go help. And she wasn't really part of the reign of the, of the, of the group, but she then is what helps finish. Finish the whole thing, which is cool.
0: And, you know, I'm jumping ahead, but after the Reign of the Superman storyline, we would get the launch of the Steel series ongoing, Mm -hmm. the launch of the ongoing Superboy series, as well as a four-issue Supergirl miniseries uh, written by Roger Stern. And they all bore the banner Reign of Tomorrow. Right. Uh, you know, primarily for marketing purposes, the stories weren't necessarily called that. But um, yes, that would so she would continue to get some play, and it's in that mini series that the stuff with Lex, like, really comes to a head. Um, that's something we'll yeah, cover. We'll cover on the show.
1: Yeah, I think there's also like a Supergirl and Team Luther, like one or two shot two thing that is in there too, which just kind of explains how she was working with his Lex core people too, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, that was in the Funeral for a Friend uh, trade. Because that was like one of those. specials. Oh, was it? Yeah, that was one of those specials oh, that they okay. did along with the legacy. Of I might Superman. have blown by that.
2: Okay,
0: that's quite all right. I'll be honest for the two trades for ten. I did not read the annuals. That were oh new. no. Okay, no, all right. No, that's all right. We're
2: <laughs> you know, good.
0: You know what's what's interesting though, because I did flip through them as I was skipping past them, and yeah, I mean, I maybe some of the earlier ones like could have fit within like where they were placed in the trades but then the later ones like clearly did not take place at the same point so i don't know why they were included there i mean i guess they were going by publication date but it was not i think so fit
1: no i think they were trying which i don't know why sometimes in the trades they decide to put what they put in there maybe as a bonus to make you buy the trade in some cases like oh this isn't publicated anywhere else so let's put it in this i don't know it's kind of it's kind of a weird diversion that's why i was like flip 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 no
0: (laughs) yeah well and and i think that's though to the credit of the superman creators with rain it's like again man like you were you were in it and you really want it really was a page turner you wanted to see what happened next i mean again even reading it now knowing what happens i was still like pretty riveted by it and you know kind of on that note one thing that i that did strike me was you know i mean death was was its own thing as, as we talked about, but you know, the supporting cast was still there to try to lend a hand wherever they could. And of course, you know, it was still a Superman story, you know, so it still felt in keeping with, you know, the, the, the era that we had been, you know, uh, working with and funeral for a friend similarly, because it was really seen through the eyes of all of these supporting cast members we had spent so much time with, but rain with the with the introduction of all the new characters and the most of the supporting cast taking more of a back seat and just like the real the big blockbuster action of the destruction of Coast City yeah. and the planned destruction of Metropolis and the planet, <laughs> like it yeah. really felt it really felt like something different than the than the mm-hmm. preceding era, you know? And I haven't gotten into the reading beyond this yet. We'll talk about that in a few yeah. minutes for the future of the podcast, but you know, I, I'm curious to kind of revisit the rest of the 90s to kind of see like, well, does it, does it go back? Does it kind of stay here? Does it become something somewhere in between? But this definitely felt like, okay, we're in a different phase here.
1: Oh, it, and it does. I think that the Death and Rain Return era was good for Superman in DC because like if you look before this, the big story arcs were like panic in the sky or maybe time and time again, but they were also maybe a three to five part and they're not memorable and you as you read, yeah they don't they don't stick necessarily but I think Superman really they the, the battle and fall of metropolis they, they kept trying to make epic things that you led to the trial of Superman, the death of Clark Kent all these things that they were more they were less little tiny storylines and things that more they built up to over the course of a year. So there was a reason why they were telling the stories they were telling, which I, I really did like a lot of the nineties it's towards the end of the nineties where we got to like King of the world, Y2K and that kind of stuff where it gets a little rough.
0: Fair enough. And, but you know, as far as the length of the story, yeah, I mean, I agree, you know, cause you look at this and I mean this, you know, the, the rain and the return, like what's collected in those two trades. I mean, it's, it's definitely longer. I mean, you know, before this, again, like Panic in the Sky was eight parts, including Prologue and Epilogue. Right. You know, so this goes on. I don't have the exact issue count offhand. But oh, no, I think it was about, uh, it was over Rain. 20 issues.
1: Rain Through Return is, I think, 22 or something like that. It's, it's not, it's not short.
0: Yeah. And again, like we said, you know, the first couple of months of this, you know, they were you know, a little bit more standalone. They were introducing each of the new Superman. But, you know, once yeah. once we get to that, that fourth trade, I mean, it really is just one continuous story. And it is.
1: And you really can't stop. Like I, I had to read it continually. I had, I had to set time or time aside because it does feel like a movie. That's what I loved about it, actually. It's like, oh, this is if you really treat it like Superman's back, Coast City blows up. Holy crap. And then it just I mean, it's, it's very even how it's drawn from like fight to fight to place in side engine city all through this it's very blockbuster popcorn movie kind of vibe
0: yes and you know again people can debate the you know the legacy of this and i don't disagree with you i think a lot of the superman events of the (laughs) era took the years to come you know that was always kind of chasing something like this yes but if we really just look at this within the context of what we've been talking about I mean, I think it works great. Like we said before, like this trilogy of death, funeral, and, and rain, they each have their own style and their own tone yeah. and their own objectives, and they accomplish them each in their own way, but very effectively. So looking at it in a vacuum, like it is, it is a, I do genuinely think it's a fitting conclusion to the story that began with the death.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I have having read so much still, Since then and going back and reading all the way through, I mean, I've read everything since the Burn Era all the way through at one point in time and reviewed it. I don't think they've ever done something this well planned. And this broad scope with so many emotional shifts and styles since 1993 and 94. I don't think they have. They've tried. I mean, I think they've done it in a broader scope across DC Universe, like Infinite Crisis. They really did some great things with that and tried to follow with Final Crisis, for example. But the New 52 reboots and the Rebirth reboots and all that kind of stuff makes it hard for them to do that really well. But this was a big deal in the, in this era. I mean, it's a linchpin in the DC Universe.
0: So I was kind of hinting at this before, so I'll, I'll share with our audience that I I have plans for at least one, but possibly two sequels to this Crisis Till Death event. You know, when I originally designed this podcast series, I I said to myself, and I probably said it maybe in one of the early episodes, that I didn't I didn't foresee rereading the mm-hmm. rest of the 90s after the return before the Loeb Kelly era, which I've already covered on the show, right? And right. the, you know, those you know, 94 to 99, that was the heart of my Superman reading as a kid. Like I started with the death and I went all the way through. So, you know, for this reading project, I was taking in most of it for the first time, but the rest of the nineties, I had already read. And I was like, I don't know that I could see myself rereading all that stuff. Maybe I'll do a story here or there. But after going through this process, I said to myself, no, it's like, if you got to do this, you got to cover the rest of the nineties, because I think if nothing else Personally, it'll be, I think, kind of interesting to revisit that that period of my Superman fandom. Yeah. And I've not, I mean, I've not reread that stuff. I mean, I you know, since the 90s. So, you right. know, I'll be coming at it with almost fresh eyes. And just like with the death of Superman, I think it will be really fascinating now to go back having, you know, this entire crisis till death period under my belt. So yeah. Um, I don't know exactly how I'm going to break it up. It will be at least, I mean, we're probably talking a year out. I mean, I think end of 2022 at the earliest, cause you know, this was a massive reading project and I need some time to mm-hmm. build up to something like that again. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we have, honestly, there's so much other, if you could see my spreadsheet, Bernie, there's so much stuff that I, we're going to cover next year. It's going to be really, really fun. Uh, but there will be at least one, again, maybe two sequels, depending on how I break this up, where we will nice. go through That's the awesome. rest of the nineties and. You will be here. I'm going to rope you in for for at least one. Uh, Oh, man. Scott, you know, Scott, (laughs) if Scott's willing to do another uh, (laughs) another reading project,
1: (laughs) just chain him to a desk and make him read another hundred fifty issues.
0: No, I got to give Scott like the next time Scott's on the show, I got to give him just like watching a movie or, you know, a six issue miniseries. Like I got to give him something that's like easily, you know, a quick. Quick digestible thing uh, before I hit him yeah. with another reading project. That's my Scott because he listens, Scott. That's soften, my promise. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's my yep, promise. Soften the blow. <laughs> I
0: there's I have there's at least one more big thing that I wanted to ask you about okay. the, the return of Superman and the final confrontation with uh, between Superman and Cyborg. First of all, I got to say, and I've loved this as a kid. From when I read this as a kid, it's one of those scenes that always stood with me, but that final confrontation after Is it the jaw it's no, not necessarily. Wait, what are you talking? What are you referring to?
1: When he, when he cracks his jaw right off when he,
0: Oh, when well he, kind, he, kind of close to that. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's after, uh, you know, Cyborg has fired the Kryptonian, uh, the kryptonite cannon, right. And the energy has right. passed through eradicator, right. And now we have this kryptonite dust obscuring everything. Yeah. And we just see the shadow or the silhouette of Superman, you know, obscured by the, by the smoke. And he says, like, you killed millions and you did it wearing my symbol, using my name. And, you know, he, he's like, this is your doomsday. And it's just this love it. moment of triumph. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I love that. I loved him reclaiming the name, reclaiming the symbol. Again, like I said, I don't know going into this if I would have really pegged this version of Superman as caring quite so much, but... It was it, I mean it was definitely fitting and it was appropriate and it was nice to see like mm-hmm. that this what he had built mattered so much to him. Right? Um the thing I wanted to ask you though was so Superman punches Cyborg through the chest and yes. vibrates yes such that he he you know uh, shatters shatter Cyborg right like he completely yeah. uh you know breaks into a million pieces and Superman's like, well, his consciousness has survived before. It might have survived now. Green Lantern's like, well, I've scanned the whole Engine City. There's no Cyborg. And Superman's like, well, I guess that's that. So, like, here's the thing. (laughs) In the past, it was such a big deal when he killed. Yes. Did he not kill or, I mean, again, we know Cyborg comes back. In this story, though, did he not kill Cyborg or at least intend to kill Cyborg and think he killed Cyborg? And he seems to do it without batting an eye.
1: Yeah, there's no thought about that at all. <laughs> like I, I was even I loved it because I was nostalgic and I remembered the scene where he just punches a hole through him and I was like, "Oh, there it is." But then reading it going, "Oh, he's going to kill him." Uh, that that did kind of make me think about that, but I guess the bigger question is is Hank really alive? Like like I, I guess you, you could you could start to play that question like was he a consciousness? Was he was he crazy? Was he was he a te- no, like was he more technology than he was alive at that point, or more machine than man? But I still think you're killing a consciousness. You're killing something. So it did seem very odd. It was very like okay, well, <laughs> uh, that's all.
0: Yeah, it was. It was just funny to me, given what we had gone through before and the whole exile storyline. Yeah. You know. Again, in the, you know, there and like I agree with you. I mean, I think there are various ways you can look at it. Um, maybe that he was more machine than man. But again, I agree with you. The fact that he was a consciousness, I think for Superman, that would be enough to, to be considered a life. Right. Um, uh, You know, on the other hand, it's like he killed 7 million people, although the Kryptonian oh. criminals that Superman had executed... Yeah had killed billions and he was racked with guilt over that and vowed never to kill again. So yeah, I don't know. I think that's kind of tough to reconcile.
1: But I think he, because of the exile, I think he learned a lot from that. I think he learned he's never going to kill again. Cause but I think that was more in the, I'm not going to execute. I'm not going to kill. Yeah, exactly. Right. This was, I mean, Seven. That's pretty big. I mean, what 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 Cyborg Superman did is like pretty pretty rough, and it's not like he punched a hole through Guy Gardner, which I'd be okay with. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, it's not like he did that to a hero. I mean, what what Hal Jordan does is a whole lot worse than what he just did to, to Hank. So I I'm going to kind of call it a tie. Like, I guess <laughs> like, I agree, but I'm not as upset about it that I think we need to be.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like in the end, I'm not upset about it. I mean, we, oh, we've talked about this before about Superman yeah. killing. And honestly, right. for myself, I, you know, I don't think it should ever be his first choice. I don't think it's something he's right. you know, going to jump to, but... If he's in a situation where he feels like it's appropriate i'm not like oh no he can't kill under any circumstances and i think this is a circumstance he was justified i just think right it was odd not to really acknowledge it no it way. was
1: like literally two panels <laughs> it was it, it was like how like how has like the ghostbusters like ekg that's like uh ah, no no we're good and then oh okay next what's next i'll make you a new suit here you go you know, and that's it. Like we just moved on from the fact. Yeah. Um. I I do think though, like we have to kind of consistently weigh to, It's very much the conversation we've had about Zod. If he didn't kill Zod, what would Zod do? Right. If he didn't kill Cyborg Hank, what would he do? Like if he already did Co City, what would be next? Like, and like what would be more guilt having him do something again when you have the chance or taking him out? So. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one.
0: For me, uh, Cyborg kind of falls not totally into the Doomsday category, but like real close where I think the reveal that, you know, the Cyborg Superman is actually Hank Henshaw. He's mm-hmm. subjugated Mongol and War World and he destroys Coast City. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't know that subsequent Cyborg stories have really no done much more i think repositioning him as more of a green lantern slash dcu villain has worked better but as far as the because again i mean i remember throughout the 90s cyborg coming back i I, i'll let you know when i reread them down the line but it's like my memory is that none of them really kind of lived up to this moment
1: no it was more to sell books honestly it was like oh he's back like and you want to find out what's going on but it was never the same kind of content
0: no. Yeah. I know we haven't talked like a ton about Superboy among among the four. I think we've spent more time on the others. But I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like, you know, he learns some lessons. He learns some humility and responsibility. And, and you know, he has a couple of really heroic moments, like especially yeah. when he stops the warhead from hitting Metropolis.
1: Yes, that's a and, big one. Yeah.
0: You know, and he unlocks what will be, you know, <laughs> defining the power of that uh, tactile telekinesis. Yeah. It's funny because someone on Twitter wrote, like, uh, it was, it, they were being sarcastic about, like, oh, Superboy never talks about his TK power. And it's like, yeah, because he talks about
1: it all the time. All the time.
0: But this is yeah, him just figuring I, I it actually, out.
1: You know, and I feel like we, of the four, he grew the less, or grew the least, rather. I mean, at the end, it's kind of cool that he's like, no, no, he's Superman, he's the real deal kind of thing. I don't think we see growth until the end of his Superboy series and then actually in other books like Titans and other stuff that he becomes a part of.
0: Oh, you mean when Jeff Johns uh, just gives him like a a personality transplant and he's just written completely differently? Yeah. Anyway.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Wow. How do you really feel?
0: (laughs) You know, I, I, I don't know. You know, when it comes to Jeff Johns, there's a lot that I've read of his that I loved and that I think would hold yeah. up upon reread his flash run his JSA stuff oh. his green lantern rebirth yep. there's there's a lot of stuff
1: I just bought flash rebirth I never I never I've never read it actually so I'm like oh. going to read it uh
0: but uh I don't know I don't really quite love his his superman the superboy thing you know again I I I I will give it a reread but yeah I feel like between the end of the superboy series and young justice and then teen titans mm-hmm. You know, we see a very different version of the character and you can argue that, well, the character was evolving, growing, maturing or or he was just, you know, (laughs) but it definitely felt like a different character. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, that's a different discussion.
1: (laughs) That's a that's that's another podcast. Um, But, yeah, I I'd say the only other thing left. As I was finishing it, I I love the fact that I I mean, I have multiple versions of stuff in, in trade um, and I love when you get to see the covers of everything at a certain point. I don't know about you, but I am a sucker for like, I, I get variant covers now because that's the new thing. I am such a sucker for anytime they do like a chromium, uh, <laughs> like like, like the, the back for good one where, you know, you see like the metallic cyborg face and Superman flying through it. There's the firework issue of uh, that's all chromium when superman's back with the long hair and i think it's i uh, got i think it's, it's adventures maybe 50 something you know adventures mm-hmm. 502 or 504 but um yeah i anytime i remember in the 90s whenever they had a special like foil cover i was like ooh you know i got really excited it was just it was more like a fun walk down memory lane to it. so look at those again
0: i hear you i hear you. yeah they those never like held as much interest for me but like i do i mean i do get the appeal and look having worked at a comic shop believe me i know like i people are really into the the variant covers so i i do get it even if i don't share it i do i do appreciate it no yeah um we know we talked about the black suit but we haven't touched on the Mm -hmm. long hair are you a fan of the long-haired superman
1: well and it's funny that the people call it the mullet it's not really it's like it's it's not a mullet like it's just long hair. You just, Wait, you just, I don't mean
0: to interrupt you, but can I just say this? Because I saw someone with a, a tr- like, honest to God, a real mullet? true mullet. So, you know, with, with the pandemic, like, we really only are only doing outdoor stuff. But we try to do as much as we can. <laughs> and so there was this food truck festival uh, in, in our area recently. And we went, and it was a lot of fun. Man. And all of a sudden, yeah, we saw this guy and honestly like at first we all kind of did like a double take and it's like what was it a wig but no like this was like a full-on like you don't see that anymore in person like like, at least in this in this part of the country i guess no but it was like no that's a full-on and i said to myself that's not what superman had
1: no no and actually like if you look at pictures of dudes in that time frame in the like early to mid 90s there was a faction of guys that still did have like big long hair I mean depending on who the artist was for Superman they made it a little bit bigger than others but i yeah i, I I'm okay with it I was okay when it was there when it wasn't super long but, but when they finally cut it that was fine like I, I I'm not i I don't have a camp I guess you could put it I'm not like no long hair is bad no i'm okay with that it's fine
0: I guess i've i'm I'm with you I mean I guess you know, if the option were long hair blue suit or regular hair black suit, yeah, I probably would have oh. I probably would have opted for the latter for a little while, you know. Yeah. Um Yeah, I would I could, I could agree with that. If it was
1: a black suit, I would I would like the the short hair look. That'd be cool.
0: Yeah, I think I know that would have been cool. But look, this was the choice they made. Like they wanted some visual change. Um Yeah. You know, going back to how it's collected. Uh yeah, it was cool. Mm-hmm. I like that we got to see all of the covers. I'm also glad that the trade they're all on the app anyway, but I'm glad that the trade right. included a few of the, the epilogue issues because they yes. were, you know, again, like we said, like so much, there were some powerful emotional beats in Rain, but a lot of that was, was it was action and it was plot. And right. I felt like the epilogue issues really gave us more of that emotion again. I mean, look, the start of that um adventures, I forget the issue, but the one right after Superman comes back where yeah. he goes back to, to Loras' window. One, yeah. You know, when he goes to Lois's window and she jumped in, into his heck, arms, heck, uh, heck, heck, heck. Yeah. Uh, I mean, come, it on, was,
1: come on, that's, that's how you end the movie, baby. Like that's, that's, that's exactly how it ends.
0: It was, it was really beautiful. Um, And then, you know, he, is t- <laughs> that moment where he teases her when he's in the, sh- getting out of the shower and she's recounting yeah. the events and he's like, what are you talking about, Lois? That was just a dream. I don't know. I mean, that's a reference to Dallas and I don't think yeah. anyone reading that today is going to, no. uh, is going to know.
1: No, they won't get it. They won't know. Um I love we talked about Lex Luthor um earlier today. So there there's a really cool scene in that where they like Soups has kind of a cool back and forth in the helicopter with Lex. Lex is on like the loudspeaker and he's like, Lex, Lex, you don't have to shout, I I can hear you. Like I'm right here. Um but then he kind of does call Lex out about how, how we how we treat Supergirl and and then I forget what Lex calls him, but he says like he be, he's basically excited that it's the real soups back so that he can get back into the business of taking him down himself, which is, again, it, it made total sense what happened when he died. Like, I want to know where you are. I've got you here. Now it's, I know you're back. And now we're back to our fun little, you know, brain versus brawn game that we're going to play. So, but yeah. I, that's... That was my favorite part of the of the epilogue.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, and very in keeping with with Lex's character. I mean, when when Superman was gone during Exile, you know, there were numerous moments where Lex was like, you know, basically I, missing Superman, missing the challenge, missing yeah. their their battle. So yeah, that that was perfect. You know, I mean, that's the thing. You know, they all have their arcs. I mean, and for Lex the second, that was a very fitting conclusion. It's like he was happy that yeah. you know, just as he was angry that Superman died because he didn't right. have the chance to kill him. It's like, all right, now now we're back yeah. in back in business here. It's
1: not- It's not the right kind of happy, but it's, it's happy for Lex Luthor.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I also liked how they resolved Clark's disappearance, uh, using uh, Supergirl to pose as Clark being trapped underground. I mean that, you know, it, it, it worked. It was a relatively elegant solution to that problem. Yeah.
1: And something I didn't really catch the first go around when I read it a long time ago was it actually hurts Supergirl to change forms. Right. Like she was, she was weak and she was a little in pain and they're like, oh, I'm sorry I'm sorry that it hurts you when you do that. She's like, no, no, it's for the for a good reason. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I never caught that when I read that. So, yeah. But I, I liked, that was a really good way to do it. And you have like Clark and Superman next to each other for like a photo op with Cat Grant's there and all that kind of stuff's going on. It was a cool way to finish up in the epilogue.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, as far as the secret identity, I think every now and then if you do something like that to just kind of be like, okay, look, like we've accounted yep. for how people don't think that yes. they're the same person. It's like, okay, that's, that buys you some, like, that buys you some goodwill for a while on the yeah. suspension Like, of look, disbelief. we have,
1: we have video footage. <laughs> like.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I thought that worked well. It was, <laughs> it's funny to me. It's like very, uh, very old fashioned, you know, because Clark now his apartment is gone, right? Yeah. Mon, Pa and Lois closed it all up and everything. And so Clark needs a place to stay, and you know, you, I mean, you might think his fiance would that would make that would make sense, but uh, no, nah, he's he got to go uh, room with Jimmy Olsen, yeah.
1: <laughs> which isn't that flipped because didn't Jimmy have to stay with? Didn't he get evicted or something? Didn't he have to stay with Clark?
0: There was a whole story where uh it was a running subplot for for quite a while uh in yeah. in the earlier triangle, there, triangle. Yeah, where where Jimmy is, he loses his job and is homeless uh he, Bibbo ends up taking him in.
1: That's it. Thank you. Uh, That's it. Which
0: also that as we wind down here we didn't mention Bibbo. Yeah. But I got to tell you. And again Bibbo's not in a ton of this, but
1: and he's not in the end. I was surprised he didn't show back up at the end
0: he well he shows up in one of the epilogue issues and he gives superman a hug he's like my favorites back there he does he does pop up oh because he shows he shows superman crypto the dog that he oh uh, that's right yes you're right
1: i'm sorry you're right
0: but you know we have all of these replacement Superman, all proclaiming to be the one i mean not steel in fairness steel was always upfront about the fact that he wasn't right (laughs) he wasn't claiming (laughs) to be superman but, you know, they're all trying to fill this role. And then you have just Bibbo on the street wearing his Superman shirt, like just trying to do good wherever he can. You know, I think the first time yep. we see him in, in this story, <laughs> you know, he's handing out sandwiches. The sh- to, yeah.
2: You and
1: know, the shorts was anywhere. And like, didn't he put on a, like a Superman shirt and shorts? And yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, for all of the replacement Superman, you know, we, we had the unofficial fifth with Bibbo. And he was, I think the pure, you know, the truest, purest heart, you know, he was really yes. uh you know, just just trying to live up to the example of Superman in a way that right. the others, maybe with the exception of Steel, you know, Steel had been saved by Superman and and was trying to make his life count uh, for mm-hmm. something, but you know, for most of the others, you know, Superboy was doing it for publicity. You know, Eradicator was just meeting out his Old Testament justice. Cyborg, of course, had his own, you know, had his own agenda. Uh, but right. but Bibbo was like really just trying to help people the way superman did and at the beginning of the story we see him you know handing out sandwiches to the homeless and one lady is like these are stapled are you sure they're safe <laughs> like <laughs> uh, you know and then there's a woman who has who drowned her dogs because she couldn't feed yeah. them and he thinks they're right. her actual that the, that they're human children kids he, you know yeah. goes in to save them and and two of the puppies didn't make it but one did and that's the one that becomes crypto, crypto. um right. but yeah it just I, you know again like bibbo i'm I'm constantly touched by, by Bippo's pure heart and yeah. uh, and and the goodness and just how he, he tries to live the example of Superman. So, hey, shout out to well, Bibbo Babowski.
1: And him alone, I kind I I can't remember what becomes of him. So I want to like I want to kind of read a little further and find out like where what happens to him where where is he at because he's not currently represented in the current run of Superman in, in the 2020s.
0: I could be wrong, and we will answer this for sure in the future but I think he just kind of fades away I mean I, I don't think there's any like farewell to Bibbo um I think when yeah. Loeb, I think when loeb and company take over you know they really scaled back the supporting cast and they focused yeah. really on the core for better you know I, you know I, you know for better or worse but uh, I think Bibbo was one of those characters who kind of fell by the wayside to the best of my knowledge yeah. but you know I'm sure yeah. yeah I'm sure he's like popped up like here and there but he, he hasn't been like you said like he has no. not been a prominent um, remember the, one of the final things, cause we're going to be hitting another two and a half hour epic here, but, yeah. uh, the, one of the, one of the last things is that, yeah, I've gone on record in, in, prior episodes as saying that I'm not the biggest fan of the matrix Supergirl. It feels like one of those things where, you know, if the rule is like Clark, you know, Kal- Kal-El is the sole surviving Kryptonian, like this is kind of like a, a goofy way to try to get around it. It's like, you might as well just go all in and make it I the appreciate. actual Kara
1: which they do, yeah. Which eventually, eventually. they eventually they yeah. will, but
0: you know we have this period with with Matrix, uh, which you know right. she has her fans, and Peter David did a lot with her in her own series, and right. made her an Earthborn angel, and it got weird, but it's like all right, at least they made her her own character, right. But I, you know, I look at, because I was thinking specifically when I was reading the issues with Superboy and Supergirl and Superboy, Mm -hmm. I feel the complete opposite. I look at, and I know I said this before, but it's like, I look at Superboy and it's like, yeah, this is, this is a great way to sort of reintroduce a pre-crisis concept. The idea of, of, you know, a teenage Superman, but do it in a way that doesn't take away from the the character, the current version of the character and actually adds. I, I really, 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 really like that.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I love it. So what else you got, man? Where I think we're uh I think we're I think we did it again. I think we're doing okay.
0: <laughs> I think I think I'm good, man. I what else is there anything else about uh the rain and return that you wanted to talk about?
1: No, we we hit on a lot. I mean, there's a lot of meat in there. It's just a great story again. Like I just it it was really fun that it wasn't just nostalgic. It was great to reread. And it was, it it holds up in many, many ways, which is surprising because we're almost at the 30 year mark.
0: I, you know, I really, I was struck by the same thing when I was reading this. And just like when we talked about death and funeral, you know, I really try to take that, you know, nostalgia out of it as much as possible and really try to look at it objectively. And yeah, I mean, I I really think it holds up. I you know I'm like I said with Death and Funeral. I mean, I I, I will you know uh, reiterate it here that I'm really proud that this was that this was my the beginning of, of my reading of Superman. And yeah, this story right. in particular, uh, like I said, I was revisiting this for the first time in in decades. And yeah, it held up great. I think it was a very fitting conclusion to that Death Funeral trilogy. And uh, yeah, I, I mean. Look, I, I'll, I'll keep this short because I've, I've said my thanks and, and, and all of that. But this reading project has been immensely fulfilling as a Superman fan to have closed this gap in, in my fandom. Yeah. Uh, and to close the gap in and of itself is great. But to do it in a way that then enriches this story that I had all of this nostalgic love for but now it's like i really appreciate them as stories in and of themselves more than i ever did before so uh nice what a blast this has been i'm so grateful to everyone who's listened and participated yourself included and you know i look forward to the next time we can uh we can rope you into one of these
1: easily done man
0: (laughs) and i didn't run my patreon commercial this this episode the way i normally do but i do just want to say that uh available right now is a Crisis Till Death bonus episode on the Patreon page, and it's a discussion of the death of Superman and reign of the Superman animated adaptations. So if you've enjoyed this run of episodes, uh, you can listen to that. Uh, it's available at all levels, $1 and up, at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. The link is in the episode description, whether you're listening or watching. And I'll, I'll even go a step further. If you sign up for the Patreon at any level, and you don't like it, uh, just reach out to me. You can message me through Patreon and I'll refund your money. Uh, you know, I really just, there's a lot of uh, of bonus content there and I think people would enjoy it. Uh, so I, I encourage you to give it a try. If you've been thinking about it and you haven't pulled the trigger on it yet, please do. There's no risk. If you sign up and then you intend to cancel and you forget and you get charged for a second month, message me. I'll refund you your money. I'm not trying to catch anybody (laughs) here. Uh, And I really do want to thank uh, all of my patrons because your support uh, really, uh, really helps me be able to produce this show. So thank you again to everyone. Uh, We will be back in two weeks with the return of comic book artist V. Ken Marion. Thank you again, really, to everyone uh, for joining me for this weekly event, Crisis Till Death. Crisis Till Death has now concluded. We'll be back in two weeks. And until then, remember... It's about what you do. It's about action. Digging for Kryptonite is a Flat Squirrel production. Art by Greg Shegal. Music by Basic Printer. Join the conversation by becoming part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network Facebook group. Follow Digging for Kryptonite on Instagram and Twitter. And visit flatsquirrelproductions.com to explore more of my film and podcast projects.